0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Zero Credits Supercut of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. All eight mini-supplemental readings gathered for you here in one location. Now, uh, originally, these supplemental readings were recorded over the course of eight weeks with varying different sound qualities and, and different situations and mistakes that were made over a different time, so if you notice some... Irregularity in the sound quality. Uh, whoops, whoops-a-doodle. We tried to fix it, uh, but who knows if it worked or not. Um, to anyone who is listening to this blind, whether on a dare or uh, at gunpoint, uh, we'd like to wish you good luck. This is uh, entirely way too long to be talking about this cartoon, but we wanted to gather all of these episodes in one place because we're about to tackle fast and furious by racers season two and three and their own standalone supplemental readings sometime in the near future so we wanted just to get it all get everything get everything in one place so we can point to it and say for anyone who hasn't listened to it yet you can it's three hours and 30 minutes long give or take and uh so break it up don't listen to all the all of this in one sitting i i would not recommend that Uh, But without further ado, I present to you uh, the zero credits supplemental reading series presents Fast and Furious Spy Racers Season 1. I did just uh shotgun a large Baja blast in the car for uh you know that podcast energy. You know what they say about podcast energy? No. Oh man. You don't know what they say about podcast energy? I don't know what they say about podcast energy. Holy shit. Is this a bit? You don't know? I don't know what they say about podcast energy. They say it's only real when it's behind a wheel. (laughs) Is this a segue into an unfortunately promised piece of content? Last week, we promised that uh, John and I here would watch an episode of uh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers... You gotta remember that Fast and Furious part, because if you type in just Spy Racer, things don't happen for you. You gotta remember the Fast and Furious part. Yeah, that has not reached the level of, of cultural uh, saturation that your Spy Kids has. Yeah, I, I typed in just like SPY, and it was Spy Kids, and Totally Spies, and More Spy Kids, and I was like... Give me my Spy Racers. What are my Spy Racers? I want my Spy Racers. Or, if you're me trying to send a text message to you about it, soy racists. Yes. So, we watched the first, the pilot episode of... Can you call it a pilot? We watched the first episode of uh, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. And boy, howdy, let me tell you, I've got some thoughts... I, I too have some thoughts. Now, of course, this, much like any other supplemental reading, we will spoil, this is, in, in, in full, a supplemental reading mini... Yeah. it's a mini supplemental reading, un, uncovered from the paywall. Yes, unearthed! Unearthed, like like the, like that, like that, like that sarcophagus with the juice in it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Do you remember when people wanted to drink the sarcophagus juice?
1: What are you talking about? When it
0: was a sarcophagus full of juice. When? <laughs> Like a year ago. Like a year ago, there was a juice sarcophagus. I I missed this. The internet made a petition to try to get someone to drink the sarcophagus juice. That sounds like a bad idea. Anyway, that sounds like a real Dark Universe (laughs) mummy scenario. On Earth, like that Joycey sarcophagus, we now have. Fast of Furious Spy Racer Supplemental Reading Episode 1. We will spoil everything that happened in this episode. We'll talk about how important it is to the zeitgeist. All the typical horse shit we talk about during a supplemental reading within an episode. Okay, we're not going to spend that much time on this. I beg to differ. I don't think there's that much to talk about, John. Well, I've got two layers of critique for... The first episode of Fast and Furious Spy Racers, and one is what I like to call my material critique. Okay, what's that? My material critique is the critique of it as a, a storytelling platform, as a, as a self-contained story, uh, and how well it's done as a piece of art. And then, of course, I have my metaphysical critique and my metaphysical critique is is more in line with how this places in the fast and furious universe, not just as part of the fiction, but also how it fits into the the philosophy into the ghost of the fast and furious universe, how it how it shapes uh, our perceptions of the of the FQ. We have fifteen minutes starting <laughs> now. I'm actually going to set a timer for this, okay. Well, I I said starting now. It'll start when the timer starts. Once I remember how to pull up the timer function on my phone, 15 minutes starting now. So what'd you think of it? I thought it was absolute hot garbage. I really didn't like it. Uh, It was bad. Material critique, it had a lot of the problems that I think, uh, I'll try not to speak too fast for the listeners, uh, but it had a lot of the problems that uh, a lot of your kind of latter-day children's cartoons have, in that they have this kind of winky, Joss Whedon-ish humor that's semi-serious, semi-sarcastic that permeates throughout. There's a weird thing that I noticed, and, and I watched this with my wife and she picked up on it too, it's just uh, the writing is bad from the kids. Like, yeah. Whoever did the writing doesn't know how kids talk. And didn't try hard. There's an exchange between one Mitch and one Echo. And Mitch says, the road king is here. And Echo says, more like king butt. Incredible. More like king butt. And Mitch responds, there's always room for a queen in here. Queen butt. Queen butt. Yeah. There's a disconnect Mm. between the characters there. And also... I don't think anyone, I don't know how old they're supposed to be. One, they can drive cars. So, yeah. 18 plus. Yes. And and two, an 18 year old doesn't retort or re- respond to something by saying, more like king butt. I also believe they have said one of the characters, Frosty is not old enough to drive, Fr- I believe. That's true. Uh, the writing is terrible. Also, the show looks bad. Uh... And is is generally, for this first episode, unenjoyable. There's a lot of just loud stuff. <coughs> exactly. Just some loud <laughs> things. It's, it's like every character is yelling all the time. We get introduced to this Mrs. Nowhere, and there's a really dumb bit about her name, but it's like anyone who's... And I guess I can't walk in with that knowledge. If anyone who's watched Fast and Furious is is familiar with this naming convention, so I guess oh, this is a joke, maybe for a fresh audience. Now it's funny that you say joke because my feeling throughout, and also the Anti-joke? the Mrs. Nowhere thing is is impeccably stupid. Uh, what is it, Mister Nobody, Mister Nobody, Mister Nobody, Kurt nothing, Russell. nowhere, nobody. I get it. Uh, however. The feeling that I got while watching it is, it didn't feel like something that was being provided to me as a fan of the Fast and Furious universe. Yeah, and I get that it's aimed for children, but I felt, as someone who loved this universe, that it was a joke at my expense. Yeah, it's like irritated like, fuck, me. Fuck you for knowing stuff about the Fast and Furious world building, which is tenuous at best. And, but the, well, you're flying in the face of the knowledge that has come before. And I get this is a spinoff, and it's aimed for kids, even though inexplicably there's they're 18, right? How, how old do you have to be to drive without a parent in the car? 16. That not that when you get your learners? You can get your learner's permit at 15, but 16 is when you get a legit driver's license. All right, so they're 16 to 18, let's, let's say. Yeah. They're already driving like they've driven for years. There's a point when Echo does the the slide under a truck maneuver. And it's just like, okay, is there a school for drivers? Oh, it's it's absolutely Beyblade Academy. It's, <laughs> yeah. These, these kids went to the car version of whatever the Beyblade kids went to. But also, can we step back from our critiques of it as art and say, number one, the, the principal protagonist of this is one Tony Toretto. Tony Toretto. Cousin... To Dominic Toretto. Which... Okay. Uh, And it... So Tony Toretto never before mentioned. uh, It is is also heavily implied that Dominic Toretto... Let's just talk about Dom. It is implied heavily multiple times by Mrs. Nowhere that Dominic Toretto is capable of and likely to order their deaths. Yes. Which is a new character development for (laughs) Dominic Toretto I wasn't aware of. I knew that he had within his... Heart the ability to kill, but I did not know that he had the the power to order the deaths of people. Usually, when Dominic Toretto works with this secret government agency, it, he usually has little to no choice. Yeah, they usually coerce him into helping. But this time around, it seems like he's the one doing the coercing. He he got intentionally kidnapped, which. Can we talk about the way that Dominic Toretto is animated? Because uh, he, I was about to a, say, I have one one huge problem with the show, and it's this. Yes, his, his face, without something is wrong about the way that they've animated Vin Diesel. I, I highly recommend that anyone watching this watch at least the first episode of the show, and watch them all if you want to follow along. Uh, But they animate his face in such a way that it is constantly moving and shifting, particularly his eyebrows, going up much higher and arching to a much greater degree than a normal human's would. And even more so than one would imagine the constraints of these animated characters' faces would. But that is juxtaposed with the fact that his head, mouth, and body movements are paced... With a disturbing placidity. Yes. He moves very slowly. It's frightening. He's like a shark crossed with a sloth. He's always showing a ton of teeth, but moving in slow motion. I have no idea why they made that choice. And the weird thing is, he is the only one animated in this manner. So that in any scene he is in, he stands out as like, wait... He doesn't belong in this world. (laughs) And the 3D model of Don Toretto looks to be of significantly lower quality than every... He looks like he's from Second Life. (laughs) I, I I kept saying this, and it's not quite what I mean, but, like, his face looks flat. Yeah. Where everyone else has, like, three dimensions to their face, his looks pasted on and, like, stretched over a weird mannequin head yeah he seems like a real uh he he seems like a real last minute addition which is kind of uh worrisome considering that he is a main character from the fast and furious cinematic universe he is also one of the only actual links to the fast and furious universe other than they're in cars sometimes also we're introduced to our primary antagonist whose name was like Sasha doll or something. <laughs> oh, I, I immediately forgot it because I don't like th- it opens up on a motorcycle race and within, like, the first minute of this character being introduced, he abandons his motorcycle. And I'm oh. like, this isn't Fast and Furious. Why would he get off his vehicle? Oh, can we talk about the incredible writing that happens right off the bat where the security guard on the boat is calling to check in? And they're like, what's that noise? And he sees it, He's like, oh, it's just that motorcycle motorcycle race on the mainland. <laughs> it's like normal stuff. Don't call the motorcycle race by its name. Also, the motorcycle race is such a common occurrence. Yeah. That they just know it as the motorcycle race on the mainland. Oh, man. Uh, but he steals $2.7 million via USB drive yep. uh, that reads out how much money he just stole. But <laughs> for what it's worth, I think we might be rooting for him because he seems like a real socialist ideologue. Because he's stealing money from venture capitalists and Silicon Valley billionaires. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm sure making a show, being like, oh, people stealing money from billionaires is bad, is harmful. But we may grow to like him. Who knows? The funny thing is Mrs. Nowhere has a a weird line where it's like, I don't care about the money. And it's like, well, wait, what? What are we doing then? And then it's like, oh, there are these keys or whatever. But then even later, she's like, I don't care about the keys. This is my job on the line. It's like, hold up. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. Where do your allegiances <laughs> lie, Mrs. Nowhere? <laughs> what What do you truly care about? Th- this writing's all over the place, and it's a show for kids. But you know what? The Dragon Prince is also a show for kids. It's also not great. <laughs> yeah. But it, it really walks circles around the show. Well, I, I don't want to tell... Yeah, yeah. The, the Dragon Prince is a much better show for kids because it tackles mature themes and yeah. all this other stuff. And yeah, the writing's kind of corny. But at least it all is cohesive and makes sense mm-hmm. I don't makes it's how who's in the room pitching the episodes, writing these characters? We have no sense of like cohesion we don't know why they're friends other than they all like cars, but we don't know how they afforded their cars at such a young age and how they can do street races and 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 we're i mean i I guess Tony heard about Don's 10-second car and like this is the actual street where where he 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 raced Paul Walker. Yeah, and it's like what what it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's made with any love. What's our what's our time check right now? Uh, we got five minutes. We've got five minutes left. Uh, so one thing that I did want to discuss a little bit about this show, uh, which also if we dedicate fifteen minutes to it every time, that's almost as long as uh, one of these full episodes is. Pretty much. Uh, But I would like to ask, at what point in the continuity does Spy Racers take place? Oh my god, really? Think about it the technology is advanced so So advanced so that more advanced than Hobbs and Shaw I'd say what maybe I I was gonna say we're kind of on the same level as Tokyo Drift with those car killing guns oh yeah we've we've got car killing EMP stuff we've got zip lines yeah we've got retinal scanners that people with big long ponytail beards use I didn't did anyone have a flip phone no, they have cell phones, because remember when they steal that phone from that guy, they both look like iPhones. It, it wasn't a flip phone. No. So this is, I, I don't i don't know how, this is even more in the future <laughs> than Tokyo Drift. It's significantly in the future. It's post-Han death. We assume, though Han may show up later, who knows? If Han shows up in Spy Racers, I will shoot someone. <laughs> so, uh... Han may show up, who knows. It's placed in continuity. This is how we get hashtag justice for Han. Hashtag justice for Han. <laughs> he so, shows up in Spy Racers. It's going to pull a flash in that Han will show up. The quality of Spy Racers will supersede the quality of the movies being made. And eventually there will be a crossover where real Han meets Spy Racers vs. <laughs> Han in the crisis on Infinite... Hans, oh, <laughs> uh, that's a good reference for anyone who's, who's keeping track of the CW shows. Uh, one day, so uh, so this this comes out after Fate or after and <laughs> Shaw. I can't, but we know for one thing: Dominic Toretto is alive. Yeah. Which, if our theories hold true, Dominic Toretto will die at least once. <laughs> what? <laughs> for, because for, he must he must sacrifice his life. Han. To go to hell. Yeah, highway to hell. To pull Letty slash Han back. Yeah, Fast 10, highway to hell. Fast 10, highway to hell. We should actually write and and pitch to Universal one day. We absolutely should. It is the first of Dom Toretto's deaths. (laughs) The first death that will occur... Of many. The first death is when he dies and goes to hell. The second death is when no one talks about him anymore. And the third death is the last time someone says... 10 second car. <laughs> uh but yes, the, we know that he's alive and presumably has not been through the trials of hell. So it is probably pre fast 10. Okay. So somewhere but, between fast 8, maybe Hobbs and Shaw and fast 10. Now we've got to grapple Where does Hobbs and Shaw take place? We've got to I think it's after Fate. Oh okay. yeah. We've got to grapple with this now, Henry. Yeah. The idea that most of what we've talked about now in speaking with Spy Racers has been the presence of Dominic Toretto and its influence on the rest of the Fast and Furious cinematic universe. Yeah, If we continue with this bit... I can guarantee you, Dominic Toretto will not be in every episode, and we might just be sitting with these kids and their problems and have to talk about it for 15 minutes. I hate each and every one of them, though. Tony is just stupid. Oh, he's buff. Oh, Is he like a car washer? Uh, He's got skinny forearms. Did you notice that? His forearms are weirdly skinny. I don't think that any relative of Dominic Toretto should look that weak. Yeah. And then you've got Frosty, who's like the hacker with all these drones, which is like. a hacker with attitude? How does he afford the drones? And he makes jokes at a corpse. And then you've got Echo, who is the girl. Echo is the girl. You always gotta have a the girl in one of these. We uh, know she's Margaret. Entourage. Margaret's yeah. her first name, we know that. Sure. I don't he's know. got green hair. Yeah, cool. What's the fourth guy's name? Uh, no idea. They didn't say it. No idea. And his whole thing is that he's embarrassed. His whole That's thing his is, whole character he's, arc is he's embarrassed. He's dumb and embarrassed and wears a green shirt and is big. He he has a shirt with a spark <coughs> plug on it to let you know that he likes cars. He likes cars. And he's got a collared shirt on underneath that because he's a bro? He's a bro. It's it's impeccable. Oh, Spy Racers. I is, hate these kids. I hate these kids i hate mrs nowhere i hate gary gary's all the jokes are so bad i i don't want to shit on art but all of the jokes in this are so bad he wasn't even looking at a video he was just looking at a wallpaper of a cat it wasn't even moving that's our time that's our time and now we can discuss fast and furious spy racers no more until we watch the next episode next week yep so tune in watch the next episode to hear us talk about the next episode and if you didn't watch the episode before this one, well then whoops-a-doodles. <laughs> yeah, we got our, some catching up to do. With our glowing recommendation, you now must go watch it to see the the shocking stillness of Vin Diesel's rictus face. Yeah, next episode should be a race, so that should at least be interesting. Yeah. Unless they blow the fuck through it in two minutes. They really did. They ended on a cliffhanger, which was cool. Well, it, it's the binge model, you know. You gotta yeah. watch the next one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And, uh, the Bad Racer Lady Southern, we cannot talk about this anymore. Yep, we have to move on, unfortunately. 2020 might be the worst year to ever go down on the record. Yes. However, that doesn't mean we have to we have to harp on the negativity. We've got tons of good things to talk about. Number one, with a bullet... We're going to continue our watch-through, our let's-watch-together our, our, let, let's watch let's series. We, our supplemental reading series. Our mini-supplemental our mini reading series on Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers. Week 2, Episode 2. I'm going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Yeah, we do need a little bit more time this week because as we discovered, we had significantly more to talk about than we thought. Once I've re-figured out how to get my timer up... All right, I'm going to put 20 minutes on this their clock. Oh, I can smell that. I can smell your beer. Does it smell like tomato? It smells like iron. It smells like blood is yeah. what it smells yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, it smells and like... it tastes like blood. <laughs> it's spicy blood. Oh, it's so spicy. All right, all right, so let's do a, a, a small countdown starting from two. Okay. All right, two, two one... one. Let's start our discussion about Spike Racers, Episode 2. I believe it was called The Race. Yes, The Race. We left the last episode with a huge cliffhanger. Layla, I think that's her name. <laughs> I've got zero names. Uh, Layla, the uh, shifter racer, was challenging our hero, Tony Toretto, to a race. Huge cliffhanger. Obviously, Tony Toretto trying to infiltrate shifter uh, with Mrs. Nowhere. Yeah, And Tony Toretto, at this point, is trying to assume the identity of one Mitch yes. to enter the race. And this episode starts out by Layla knowing that he's not Mitch. How? Yes. No idea. Never explained. I didn't. Wasn't it like explored that they maybe have a history? Layla? Layla and him maybe have a history and that's how she knew it was him. I don't don't think so. Okay, I don't totally recall. Um, A lot happens in this episode. We can't just, we can't just, we're not going to just summarize the plot. Mm -hmm. Let's just hit the high notes. What did you think about the race? What did I think about that race? The race. I have a lot of negatives, mostly because I genuinely do not like this show. (laughs) Uh, However, I will say the thing about the race that I did like, back that shit up. One thing that I did not like about the race is realizing that this show will be heavily predicated on a Wacky Racers-style race gimmicks thing, which I do <laughs> yeah. not like and have never liked. It um, Halfway through, the, I watched this with my wife, halfway through the, this race, when the paintball guns yeah. and all the saw blades started happening... I turned to my wife and said, they're doing wacky racers, but they're doing it poorly. Yeah, it, it's just wacky racers, and I don't like that shit. But I will give props to uh, Spy Racers for this. They actually put a pretty credible technique from uh, street racing into that race. Oh, do but, tell. So the thing that." the Fast and the Furious movies became known for is showing a part of this subculture and these techniques and these modifications to an audience that doesn't see them a lot. Uh, you can actually see Tony Toretto when it zooms on his foot, he does heel toe shifting. Okay. When he's, uh, when he's to get away from the magnet, and he has to break hard, which puts him off to the side, but he needs to keep up and we do heel toe shifting. Your foot's on the shifter. So your clutch isn't engaged but you're, you're using the tip of your foot and your heel to modulate your brake and your accelerator at the same time because you don't have three feet. Oh, wow. To make it so when you drop back into gear, you can drop into a, a higher or a lower gear so you can put more power out and not put a ton of shock on your clutch. Now, that's fascinating because that, that says one thing to me. That means I can't really make fun of Tony Toretto's technique because he's actually using real techniques. And that means he must have trained, because you can't just do that. Yeah, I mean... You can't put me in a manual car and tell me to heel-toe-shift, and just based on pictures, I can't just do that. It's extremely hard. I drive a manual and have for a few years, and I've tried to do it, and it does not work for me. Uh, But that is one cool thing that I saw as far as how this series feels like Fast and Furious. The rest of the race did not care for they uh well, they tied well yeah well, hold on hold on um the the fact that the show doesn't explain that I think is really strong it's a strong point for the series there have not been many <laughs> yes but the fact that it's like they didn't have somebody on the side go oh he's using heel toe shifting yeah and then like the big guy going that's a technique where like they, they yeah. didn't spell it out yeah so that that's pretty neat I will yeah. say I like that it just existed. For the first half of the race, Layla and Tony Toretto are talking to each other, seemingly through cars and windows, because yes. they keep they turn to where <laughs> the other person is yes. and address them. And then randomly, without any explanation, a screen appears in both cars <laughs> with just their faces yep. on it yep. so that they can converse with each other. Yep. Why were they turning toward each <laughs> other to yep. start the race? But then halfway through the race, this screen pops up. Uh-huh. I turned, my, my, my wife was like, they can't hear each other. I was like, yeah, they're doing like the weird fast four thing where people talk to each other with no walkie talkies. Yeah. But then they showed that screen. I was like, oh, they're addressing it. But they're like only after, <laughs> after the fact. <film>. Yeah. <laughs> it's like only after somebody watched the first pass and they're like, oh, how are they talking to each other? And for a second, I was going to say that I completely did not remember what happened between the first set piece to the last set piece, which I will say this for the show, for a kid's show, for the second episode, pretty action-packed. Yeah, it's moving really quickly. I I can respect that, and I'm excited, kind of, to see where it goes, kind of. But the middle part is this weird party. Yes, this, this party. Number Never one, no about. butts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a perfect opportunity for a butt scene. My wife was... was wondering where the butts were and i said well she said your wife's signature catchphrase where the butts at where the butts at she's she's fairly concerned about butts in the industry she wants butt representation absolutely but this is a kid's show so all you're gonna get is nothing this party had nothing this party had nothing i will say that i do respect somewhat that they did not make it totally clear whether they were drinking alcohol or not because they were just in clear glasses with straws. Yeah. Uh, They didn't belabor that they were drinking soda. And this is where we're introduced to Shashi Dar, I believe is his name. Oh, yeah, the big bad guy whose name I did not pick up. Yes, Who knows Tony Toretto. He knows Tony Toretto somehow in a way that is not explained, I don't think. It's not explained, but also like, so you know Tony Toretto. That means you mu- you you have to know about Dom Cerrito. Yeah, you have to know about Dom Which means there's no way like you you would think they're they're being honest in that they're like a, a criminal organization. Sorry. No, I I just realized something. What? There is a moment just like Dom where Shashi Dar is talking to Tony. And Tony is, like, rationalizing it later. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe we're going to work with these criminals who yeah. hijacked. I'm like, oh, you mean just like yeah. Dom Toretto? You you can't believe that you're doing literally the exact same thing that Dominic Toretto was doing for a while? It's, Insane. And you agreed to do it. Like This is a movie about criminals. <laughs> this is a movie series where roughly half of the movies... Have been about them being criminals. Yeah, you bringing that up reminded me that this is the episode where where we are formally introduced to the crew. Yes. And uh, you know, you got Echo, who is the girl. Echo's the girl. She skateboards. Sure. She has done nothing in this show so far. You've got the other two I don't want to care, who I don't care about. That's not the point I'm trying to make. Uh-huh. And you don't remember their names. Well, uh, Frosty and Big Man. There we go. That's the one I knew you didn't know. <laughs> Taco. Oh, that's, I knew it. Anyway, um, he introduces them and he says, oh, yeah, my crew, are, we're tight. And Shasadar says, oh, yeah, just like Dom. And I'm like, don't you dare say his name. Get thing. his name out of he his, his your mouth. name out of his mouth. Dominic Toretto could crush you, literally and figuratively. Yeah, uh, that was an interesting scene because the, it the, uh, the reason why Dom needed their help was because he's he said, "I can't show up to a race and not get recognized." Yes, the first thing that happens to Tony Toretto <laughs> yes, he gets recognized. He gets recognized at a race, not only by the person who's putting on the race but by the evil organization lead guy. It's not really going undercover when everyone knows who you are. Yes. Uh, it is insane to me, uh, which then leads us into our, th- I don't think there's anything really worth mentioning, other than the fact that this and show's humor is insufferable. I, I was talking to my videographer friend earlier about this. Uh, the best way I can describe it is this, the humor was cherry picked from the the earlier late 90s yes and dropped into today where the jokes fall flat people just do things for the sake of doing things yeah and the big guy recreates a scene from the first spider-man movie the sam raimi spider-man movie and no one bats an eye there's seriously this uh this weird kind of there's this weird thing going on where you have like Half of it is pointless, meaningless cartoon humor, which just exists to be funny, but is not. And then you have this other stuff, which is like this uh, Joss Whedon kind of, you can't have one fucking serious moment. Everything must be commented on. I I hate that stuff as well. Let's quip until we die. It's quip or die. You quip, you fight. You you quip, you fight. Dom Toretto. The Uh, third act of this episode is a weird truck heist yes it i feel like it's very much in the style of fast and furious having one big set piece where there's one king vehicle and many outrider defender vehicles i love and that next yeah and then you have the team which would probably make an incredible team-based multiplayer game oh yeah that'd be great uh but i think they're making one i would love it it was announced at the game awards is it a Fast and Furious game? It's a Fast and Furious game. Gotta, it started with Toretto and, and gotta Letty Ortega. Uh, uh, but no, there was... Um, so that happened. It started with... Yoki Spirit Water? Yeah. So, some weird, weird animated... Like, hand-drawn animated bit? I thought that was cool and probably the most artistry that I've seen out of the show. The art style and that little animated bit was cool. Fluid... Interesting. I'd love if more of the show looked like that. Maybe all of it. Why where but yeah. it was racist. Oh, because it's because Jap- of the Japanese? Yeah, it felt weirdly out of place. It felt like a oh Japanese culture is so weird. Japanese yeah. products and commercials are so weird. And also they like said the name of the drink in kind of a weird Japanesey Asian-y cadence. It felt very weird and xenophobic. It's really interesting. Uh, when shows do this, because any Japanese products that are marketed in America usually are westernized. Yeah. They're usually not presented in their, their full Japanese flavor, you know? But people just love an opportunity to point at it and say, wow, Japan's so weird. Wow, Japan's so weird. And I, I have nothing to say about that. Oh, there was an Irishman? Oh, <laughs> I absolutely have something to say about this. There's an Irishman, there's a big guy... Most perplexing exchange really felt like David Lynch-esque. Yeah. They're in the cab of this truck, and one of them says something, something about the job. The other one says something about how much he's going to get paid, and he's like, I'm going to buy some buttered popcorn. And then he flexes. Yeah. And there's no follow-up. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to the movies and buy some buttered popcorn. And he flexes. Flex. And then the person next to him says... It's good that you're big, hold that butter, no job with shifter is as easy as it seems, which is poetic and inexplicable and makes no sense as to... It's odd that he says I'm going to get some butter pop or flax silence. It's stranger that he says it's good that you're big, hold the butter, no job with Shifter is as easy as it seems. Okay. My brain exploded. <laughs> Look, I, I feel like the veneer is cracking on this show a little bit. You, you know that, that funny internet joke that people do? It's like, oh, I fed I fed so many lines of dialogue into like a Markov chain or, yeah. or like a machine learning computer to make it spit out a script?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What if <laughs> the writers behind this show? Fed a, a robot, a computer, all of the scripts for the, the every Fast and Furious thing that exists, including the ride. Yes. And it's just spitting out dialogue for, for the show. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Uh, uh, God, that was such a weird moment. And then you get to the actual truck heist. And it's fine. I thought it was pretty good. There are a couple of really cool moments. I thought the moment where he places the little uh, explosive charge under it, yeah, and it blows the tanker mm. up and yeah. makes the guy roll off, and yeah. Tony Toretto's standing on the top and comes back down and lands on the truck. That would have had a place in a fast in, in a latter day Fast and Furious yeah. movie. No, no, I, I, I feel like the action sequence right there was good. However, there was a moment where Tony Toretto leaps onto the truck that uh-huh. it goes into slow motion. Yes, and I turned to my wife and I said, "It's not impressive because it's animated. Like, yes, if it was real life, yeah, slow down to show how cool the stunt is. Yeah, but because it's animated, that slow down has no emphasis. It's you also, like, uh, you you totally telegraphed that he was going to jump onto that thing and hook onto it. So like, yeah, you're yeah. just showing me a slow motion th- version of the thing that I knew was going to happen when slow motion as a thematic device." is used to show something unexpected and let you savor it. Yeah. Like, the reason why you would slow that down where it's happening in real life is the unexpected thing is, oh, they're actually doing it. There's, or like he misses or something. Yeah, or he misses. Yeah. Uh, so that, and then he fights that guy, and when they fight, he, like, Hat, was that glowing glove mentioned previously? No. He takes the glove, he's like, you're about to see. And then it falls off, it's like, is that a joke? yeah. Is that a joke? Mm. Clearly it's a joke, but i it I doesn't hope, follow like any... I don't think there are rules to comedy, but it doesn't follow yeah. any comedic conventions whatsoever. Here are my hopes. I hope that Irishman and Big Guy survive. Yes. Oh, I, I did also start keeping a murder count. Uh, the kids have murdered at least three people so far. Oh, speaking of murder Because, like, car crashes, like... Yeah. They've killed people. Oh, that guy that flips over in the race? Dead. Dead. The guy, he he gets, like, knocked off a cliff or something by the truck. Dead. But I will say, when they showed that their target was a semi-truck, I was like, oh, no. These kids are about to fucking die. Yeah, the most <laughs> dangerous the most <laughs> dangerous thing in the world is a semi-truck. Was a semi-truck with a guy with a shotgun. These yeah. kids are going to die a slow death. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I hope they survive and they track down that glove... And then they just become like their own team. That would be great. So we got Spy Racers, we got Shifter, which by the way, Shifter is spelled fucking obnoxiously. (laughs) What do you mean? S H 1 F T 3 R? Why? What year do you think it is? I have no idea what year these people think it is. So yeah, Team Spy Racers, Team Shifter, and then just Team Glove. Team Glove. Team Buttered Popcorn. (laughs) Team Buttered Popcorn. Oh my God. Save the Butter. (laughs) <laughs> that line irritates me so much. Uh, but overall, I feel like the action sequence... I'll tell you, I like this episode better than the previous one. Well, and there was more going on. We didn't have to set up everything. We didn't. The action sequence served a point. Yeah. And it wasn't just like, you passed the test. That's my Don Toretta. <laughs> yeah, it's a like very good Don Also, It also didn't have the ever-present shadow of Dominic Toretto looming over it, so we were able to take it more on its merits yeah. and not as a not as a weird phantasm. The show still doesn't know what to do with Mrs. Nowhere. Not at all. And, and like, the, the only good thing about the Mrs. Nowhere scenes is Gary. Gary is probably the best thing on the show because his, his lines are very understated. Yeah. We don't focus on him. We don't harp on him. He just says his piece... Gets out. Gary is probably the saving grace of the show. Is there a moment where, oh, this also pissed me off. There's a moment where Tony, for some reason, goes like, oh, you don't like pickles. She goes, what are you crazy? I love pickles. They're spicy and sweet like me. Number one, pickles are not spicy. Some pickles are spicy if you buy like a spicy garlic variety. Pickles are not spicy. They're tart. They're not spicy. All right. Who wrote that line? Someone who's never eaten a pickle. Apparently. Uh, But then doesn't Tony say, and cheap? And then she says, what did you say? What does he say in response to that? Uh, Gotta go, bye. No, he says, like, and cheap. And she's like, what did you say? He's like, oh, I just said blah, 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 blah. No, I I didn't catch it. I have no idea who wrote that and what the intention of that was. Oh, you're breaking up. Yeah, so dumb. Okay, here's a a question. In... Things where there's a warehouse as a hideout with an entourage kind of cast. Why is there always a boxing ring? I don't know why. And, and this show continued the tradition. It's like, oh, we got a boxing ring for Moby. I don't yeah. know his name. Yeah. And it's like, but why? Why Why does he want? And he's just like running around bouncing off the ropes, which I guess could be fun. But it's like, what is, what is your plan with this boxing ring? I feel like it's maybe a wrestling ring, considering he was running back and forth on the... On Hmm. the ropes. Maybe he's into professional wrestling. A squared circle rather than like a traditional ring. Yeah. Wait, what? (laughs) Well, what's the difference between a wrestling ring and a boxing ring? Uh, The difference between a wrestling ring and a boxing ring is the wrestling ring is meant to bounce. The ropes are bouncier. Well, that's what I meant, I guess. Yeah. And it's possible. I don't know. I don't know what. I'm not going to give that character's name because I'm not going to give it to you. Groucho Marx. Groucho Marx. Uh, It might be a wrestling thing. I don't know. They're all... Echo. That's the girl. That's the girl. Uh, Echo, Frosty, Tony... I did did learn that there are only eight episodes, though. Yes, I actually checked after this one. I was like, please, for the love of God, let there only be eight. I checked halfway through this one how many episodes there were, and I was pleased (laughs) that we will only be doing this for eight weeks. Oh, well... So I, I'm going to give this one a solid C. It's yeah, better yeah. than the last one. First one got a D, this one got a C. Hopefully it just keeps ticking up. I think that'll bring us to the end of our go. discussion for this week. And I, since we can no longer discuss it, cannot rate it. But <laughs> I'm... No, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go no, 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 go no, go no, 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 go no, no, go no. No, no, go no, go no, 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 go no, ahead. no, 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 no. John, go ahead. C. See what? Just see. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I call I'm great. glad we stalled Yeah. for okay. that. Now. I guess we should start out with our ongoing segment that we have both come to loathe. Yes. <laughs> we are not falling in love with this at all. Yes. It, 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 it's kind of like repeating the, uh, the supplemental reading series in Fast and Furious, only we don't like it. Yeah. And we're it, not falling in love with it. It is like a different world where uh, instead of gradually and increasingly falling in love with these movies, we just have more disdain for every iteration that's right, we're talking about Fast and Furious Spy Races Episode 3. Title of the episode, I don't really know. The, the Ghost Town Grand Prix. Ghost Town Grand Prix. So as, as is tradition, I'm going to put 23 minutes on the clock because uh, 20 minutes seemed to be a little rush. So an extra three minutes might buy us some time. To... The timer is already running. Fuck. Okay, well... Okay, well, we've wasted ten seconds of it. See, this is why we put in the extra three minutes, so that when we mess up again, undoubtedly we'll have more time to talk about the actual episode. The name of this episode, episode three, The Ghost Town Grand Prix. Yes. Upon learning that, John, I got a little excited, because I thought there might be a ghost in this one. There very nearly was. But there wasn't. So we, uh... It doesn't pay to recap the episode, but I did think that this was, uh... Somewhat interesting in that it, it had a lot a lot of similarities with your, your better races across the Fast and Furious franchise when they were still about racing, really <laughs> just for the first one and two. Yeah. Is you really get to know your racers uh, you have your, your heavy hitters. You have your Bone Grinder. You bone Grinder your, who does nothing during the race. Bone Grinder does nothing. You have your Woofer who does almost nothing during almost the race. Almost nothing. You got Pizza Laser. Pizza Rave. Yeah, Pizza Laser. Uh, let's, we're gonna come back to Pizza Rave. You uh, have... she, she had a whole arc that was not seen. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, you've got the Irish guy from the... the... Irish guy in Buttered Popcorn. Yeah, I, yeah. I, So, for some reason, I didn't put together that they were already in Shifter. Yeah. I thought they were trying to get in Shifter, like a dual tryout kind of scenario. No, they're part of Shifter already, so of course they came back. So, we're not going to have three factions. Mm -mm, It's still... Yeah. Yeah. I I really wanted the Irishman and Butterboy to, to come back with their own, like, faction of Irishmen and Butterboys to, like, try to take down Shifter and the Spy Racers. But apparently, I'm not writing this show, so yeah. that didn't happen. I doubt anyone's writing this show at this point. Uh, and then you have, you know, the rest. Uh, there was and a no- Shashi Dar and Layla. 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 Shashi Dar. Shashi Dar. I feel like there was another girl who could, like, turn well. Oh, yeah. She was, like, the drifter lady. Don't yeah. remember her name. It's funny because, like, in true Wacky Racers fashion, we learn all of these racers and they all have exactly one gimmick. Yes. And so, like, as they were introducing them, I was like, oh, we're going to see all of these racers use their gimmick during the race like an episode of Wacky Racers. What a fool I am. <laughs> yes. Because Because the, the show even states multiple times... The goal of the episode is not the race. So fundamentally, the formula of a good, fast, and furious race is broken because the point is not to win a race. Uh, The point is to follow Shashidar, who... You know me, Henry. I think that the uh, something that you can't use to criticize a work of art materially is to say that it's predictable because I... Predictability has nothing to do with how good or artistic something is. Being surprising doesn't make you or doesn't give you merit. Uh, but also, I, I believe that if you are only critical of something logistically, then also that doesn't have much merit. But God, who is writing the show? Because from what I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, the way that this race was, the way that them entering this race was set up was what the fuck is his name? Something Toretto. Tony Toretto. Tony Toretto. Must enter the race. Yes. With his backup squad. With his whole crew and their souped up uh, spy RV truck that yes. they got. Like, and they're like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, we stole it from some nerd. I'm like, okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> no one else here has anything <laughs> like that, you fucking spies. So, uh, they go to the race. Tony Toretto's job is to follow Shashidar, who, during a race... Peels away from the race to steal a key. Just like we saw in the opening sequence of episode one. Yes. My question is, why not just do the clandestine thing where you go steal a key and not be part of an organized illegal street race where your absence would most likely be noticed? Maybe it's like a cover. I I think... It absolutely is a cover. And two, I think that's why the race goes through the mines. Oh, I see. Because they they did make a point of showing like, oh, these tunnels go everywhere. Ooh. Yeah. I also think that's why the race was so ridiculous. Each lap is 25 miles. The first person to complete four, (laughs) it's like 100 miles for a race with these supercars. They'd have to fill up like, you know, three or four times. Were there pit stops? Even if you're going 100 miles per hour, it would still take a whole hour to complete the race, which you're certainly not going that fast. Also, these mines are bananas. Oh, yeah. I don't... Okay, so, did, did they check to see if cars could go through them first? And not just that, but apparently at the heart of this mine is a giant glowing <laughs> magma superstructure, <laughs> which is surrounded by walking paths that people drive on. Also... God love this show for them saying, oh, you can't go there. It's blocked by a wall of fire. <laughs> you know, classic mine occurrence. Yeah. A wall of fire. It's a its a show for kids, so I can only criticize that stuff so much. But God, if I couldn't follow it. Yeah, it it's funny because it's like, oh, a wall of fire. Well, if only I, if I was in a vehicle moving faster than yes. like... The fire could heat up. Yes, if only I was going sixty miles per hour in a giant metal tube. Yeah. Uh, what a shame, though. I uh, am oh. not. New car for Tony Toretto, though. Brand new spy car, which we didn't see them put together, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Do you think it? Uh, do you think it's a 10-second car? No. Oh shit! It's too souped. It's got too many things going on. Yeah, it's, 10 gonna 10 second, yeah, it's gonna be stripped down. be stripped down. Exactly. Now, very similar in looks to Dominic Toretto's ride. Guy, you know, tiny Toretto has a tiny Toretto car, so that makes sense. Yeah. There were a few times where, uh, you know, Sartoshi. Who? What's his name? Shashidar. Dar. Shashi Dar. Uh, he keeps saying Dom's name, and I'm like, "Come on, yeah, shut up." My my you, question—you don't, you don't get to say that name. I did have a question about this show. What are we at time-wise? Oh, uh, we've got time. We've definitely got time. My question about this show is: is the larger uh is the larger point that this show is making is that even outside of the relatively small circle that is the Fast and Furious, the the central crew of the Fast Saga or the Fakue alternate name. <laughs> is Are their exploits well known enough that these people are essentially celebrities, superheroes, or demigods to regular people? Because apparently everyone knows what Dominic Toretto's deal is. Yeah, Multiple people have brought this up. Yeah, the, the, the Tony, to justify him following Sashidar and Layla at, at their heist thing, and he saves Layla, Layla's life or whatever, his justification was... Come on, I'm a Toretto. I knew this wasn't just a race. I knew there was a score. I want in. And that sounds more like a Brian O'Connor thing to say. But it, of course, it makes you question, then, what is the legacy of Dominic Toretto? Because you would imagine, as Dominic Toretto's, uh... The movies portray him as a good guy. But he, I so mean, he was th- a criminal to begin with. What does the world see him as? And in the third one, I think he's a criminal as well. No, third one's totally Drift. Uh Well, I guess coterminous to the third one, he was also kind of a criminal. But... Yeah. If we look at his exploits largely throughout the films, the ones that would bring him to the attention of the world would be him as a, as a hero yeah. who has saved the world multiple times from, from potential extringent threats that could have significantly impacted people's ways of life. So are we saying that his reputation is still that he's a criminal? I think so. Because y- you can't outrun your past. You cannot run your past. That's, you know, that's the whole lesson The Fast and Furious is built on. That and family. Yeah. And also, they do a lot of work with Mr. Nobody. So maybe Mr. Nobody just, like, eats up all the media and so everyone just thinks Dom steals TVs and DVD So he's just players. a hyper-criminal? Is he like a supervillain then to people? <laughs> because he's literally be... in the public consciousness is what I'm saying. That would be Fast 11. Someone yeah. finally stands up and be like, I'm going to stop Dominic Toretto from being such a meanie head. How fantastic would it be if, not to get too far outside of Spy Racers, but the 11th Fast and Furious film was the crew of the Fast and Furious fighting and eventually defeating a superhero. That would be amazing. That has been brought against them because uh, they are a force for evil. It'd be like the boys, but like in reverse? I don't know. Reverse boys. Reverse boys. Reverse comma boys. Back to this episode. Yes. There was a line that happened and my brain kind of like hiccuped and I was like, I need to remember this line so I could say it on the podcast. It's a real gonna get me some buttered popcorn line. Yeah, but uh, the problem is, I think my brain didn't like the line (laughs) so much that it's deleted itself. I guess that's fair. It was something to the lines of... It used fro-yo. Oh, absolutely. Run fro-yo life. Run fro-yo life. Yep. That was the moment where I wanted to walk away from my apartment because nothing will ever get the stain <laughs> of that line out of it. Uh, yes. the Once again, the whoever's running the humor on this show is just not doing a great job. Uh, consistently, and we're only in episode three, but I have liked each sequential episode less. (laughs) Even though, in the second episode and in the third, I will say that this show does do its action sequences pretty phenomenally well. There were some genuinely exciting things about this, and I imagine if I truly cared about the characters, they'd be even more exciting. I will say, uh, I think they learned from the the. second episode yeah the second episode because they did the slow motion thing again yeah only this, only this time, time it was surprising because yeah. she jumps from a train and then she slips and she falls now here's a problem with the logic of the show uh-huh she is on a speeding train yes she's wearing a parachute yes the parachute shoot even like kind of pulls her back uh-huh all she has to do is jump yeah. Jump straight up. The parachute yeah, will catch her and, like, deliver her to safety. She ditches the parachute. Yep. Also, when... Uh, All you have to do is jump. You're already wearing the safety thing. Isn't, uh, isn't part of the reason she falls because Shashidar is holding her hand and her hand slips through the sleeve and then he's left holding her hoodie? Yeah. How did that happen while she was wearing a parachute? Did the hoodie magically slip out from under the parachute. I don't know. I shouldn't question it too much. Yeah. Uh, but stopping the train was cool because they uh, they used all the parts of the things that we knew that the Dom, not, yeah. the, the Doretto car could do. Yeah, spikes. Spikes. And that was good. I liked it. That yeah, was okay. There were a couple pretty cool shots with the like train in the distance and the train car moving away. Yeah. I want to give this show credit where it's due because there's very few opportunities to do so. Yeah, the animators are definitely pulling their weight more so than the dialogue writers. Uh no question. Yeah, the animators are, are like th- this is probably somebody like, oh man, I got to do this show. Well, I'm not going to half ass it. I'm going to yeah. make this show look incredible. They really they're really nailing it as far as the the action sequences are concerned. Uh now we, one thing that I think about a lot and we've got enough time. Yeah, I just I just want to put a footnote right here. We want to circle back to pizza rave Just to remind us, continue with your point. Uh, One point that I do want to make is, why can't the show just be racing and cars? You know, that's a good point. Because that... it seems like that's the strong point of the show, is racing in cars. Even without gadgets. Yeah, yeah. The The gadgets, I feel like, added almost nothing to this. And actually, if you take pretty much every scene where they use gadgets, other than maybe the the front grappling hook things, which, leave those. Those are cool. Those are pretty cool. Uh, but if you took all the other kind of silly, cartoony gadgets out, everything that was kind of gripping or interesting was just racing related. Like, when he was stopping the train, you don't need spikes, you just need to show that he's flooring it, nice establishing shot of the back wheel, spinning, kicking up dirt. Yeah. You don't need all of it. What, what, (laughs) there was a funny moment where the camera kept wanting to pan to the bridge, but, like, nothing bad had happened to the bridge yet. Yeah. And I even said out of frustration, it's like, it's, it's fine. Yeah. I don't understand, (laughs) like, she's in no danger, the train's just gonna keep going until it stops, and then, of course... The engine, like, for some reason gets on a hitch and takes out the entire bridge. Yeah. It's like, but the camera movements were suggesting that it already happened before it happened. Yeah. When I was looking at that as they are approaching the bridge, I'm like, they're, they're framing this like they're moving towards a cliff. Yeah. And it's like, but wait, this train was moving fine without the heist. Don't tell me <laughs> the they, were, he- they were, they were <laughs> I, always heading toward a cliff. For I no did reason. think it would be really funny, and I I was hoping it was the case where they just pan up and it was a cliff. That would be very funny. We still don't know what the keys do. Unimportant. Uh, uh my my <clears> whole look here's my prediction. I'll say it now. This is going to be the classic, we think Sardioshi, what's his name? Shashidar. We we think sashidar is the villain, but it turns out there's going to be a bigger fish to fry. Almost definitely. Yeah. Almost definitely. Now, coming back to Pizza Rave. So, I, I just want to make a footnote right here that we want to come back to Pizza Rave eventually. Okay. And that time is now. That time is now. So, Pizza Rave has introduced us having no... Uh, Abilities that are obvious, other than I think she launches a barrel into the sky and shoots it with lasers. And they say something like, that's, that's not a pizza rave I think, or they said, I think that Frosty, the snowman, says, classic pizza rave, as if pizza rave is a known quite by the way. Quick check-in, what's the big green guy's name? <sighs> Look, there's Echo, who... Does electric work. She does the lighting on all of the cars. Run for your life. She also has some type of weird control over the lights in the car because she beats up Butterman. Don't... I don't even want to talk about that scene. (laughs) There's Frosty, who has an army of drones and he uses them to make spooky ghost noises. Yeah. There's Tony Toretto, who is the blandest character on the show. Yeah. But that's not his fault. He's the protagonist. And then, of course... How could I not know his name? It's so easy. He's named after a clean uh, product. A product that people use to clean or cook with or something. Is he? Yeah, he is. Mm. Yep. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. No. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Oh, maybe people use it to tan, but I feel like you would burn. Are you you thinking his name is... Ajax. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, his name's Ajax, right? Incorrect. Oh, Uh, So coming back to Pizza Rave. His name's Cisco. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's a c- cooking thing? No, Crisco. Fuck! <laughs> the whole joke! You thought people tanned with Cisco? Uh, yeah, his name's Cisco. What is that? What is Cisco? Coming back to... What does his pe- name Coming mean? back to Pizzeria. No, no, stop that. What does, his, he- what does his name mean? I have no idea. Why is he called Frosty? Because uh, he she stays call- Frosty. Why is she called Echo? Because it's cool. See? Coming, Why back, is he called Toretto? coming back to Pizza Rave. Pizza Rave is very important. Pizza Rave is eliminated early in the race. I just want to make a footnote right here that we want to discuss <laughs> what happens to Pizza Rave. And the time to do so is coming up. Uh, Pizza Rave deploys a parachute. She de- <laughs> Yeah, and it lights up. It's re- it lights really up. Light- Pizza Rave's got a lot going on. And then, like, more scenes happen. More scenes happen. More scenes happen. Weird cutback back to Pizza Rave. And she says, like, is this the end of Pizza is Rave? Is this the end of Pizza Rave? And more then, action, more action. And then at the very end of the episode, during the post-race denouement, which we get in all Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, so the Irishman won, and yeah. then two other people whose names I don't remember won. Sure. And then I just want to make a note that you wanted to <laughs> cover what happens to Pizza Rave, and we're panning. We're panning the camera. Imagine there's a camera in this show. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's animated. Yeah. Not really a camera. And it's panning across the scene of Victory. And we pass Pizza Rave. And she says... Pizza Rave is surrounded by onlookers and says, I think it would be a disservice to call the mole people when in fact they have so much more to offer. Or something like that. Which establishes... Point of fact. This is canon. It is canon that the Fast and Furious universe... Is the domain of mole people. Mole people? There are canonical mole people. There are canonical mole people. Pizza Rave is the first human to see them, apparently. And I just can't wait. I, the implications, John. They're huge! The implications for Fast 9, F9, the Fast Saga. I, I just can't wait until we see the first of the Fast and Familiar crew... That is 100% a mole person. Uh Uh-huh. Because every crew's got to have one. Let Let me pitch you on this. We see that scene where Han is about to be blown up. I don't know what you're talking about. Mole person... Burrows up through the ground, snatches Han out. Oh, you mean from... Yeah, oh, wow. He Uh, wasn't blown up. He was just... He was saved by the mole people. That explains how he survived so long without people knowing. Because no one found out about the mole people until just now. He's been in the mole hole. He's been in the mole hole. Jerry. (laughs) He's been in the mole hole, Jerry. Uh, So mole people, number one, exist. Number And you know... If the rest of the series does not tackle that biological and cryptoidic fact, I think the series as a whole is a failure. Now we have to uh, we have to figure out when this takes place because the only thing that we know exists is Dominic Toretto, and yeah, as long as Dominic Toretto's flame is not extinguished, we do not know at what point. Well, okay, so the, their phones are not flip phones, so it's clearly not the future. It's clearly not the future. <laughs> no, what's funny is uh. The, there was a moment when all the drones were going away to, like, uh, map out the, the race course. Uh, and I thought, oh, instead of using the futuristic flip bones to follow the action, we're going to use these very archaic... These archaic flying drones. Flying drones. Yeah. I want to say this happens uh, maybe right before Tokyo Tripped. <laughs> so immediately before Tokyo Trip. Okay, so we we knew about more yeah. people... Prior to the Han incident. Well, we didn't, but... So, like... So, Pizza Rave knew. From a metagaming perspective, our characters might have known, but us as players did not. That's what I call dramatic irony. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, we know that mole people exist, then the rest of the episode happens. I don't know, I'm getting kind of... It feels like this show is going to follow a formula of... The episode starts, and we are on our way to the thing. Yeah. We do the thing. The thing does not go as planned, but then it turns out okay. The end of the episode, we end up back at the warehouse with Mrs. Nowhere yelling for some reason. And then a one last reveal, but hey, we're spy racers, so we did the spy thing. And then that just goes into the next episode five more times. I could see that happening. Oh, it was such a dog shit way that this episode ended by ending with, uh, oh, we put a tracking device. And then they show the tracking device and then Frosty appears in frame and, and sings that really awful Spy Racer song. Yeah. I didn't like it. I asked Henry before we started recording if we could stop watching this show, and we won't. No, we can't. We're honor bound. Because if the fact that we spent two and a half months watching every Fast and Furious movie is any indication, uh, we don't stop. We can't stop. I will say that we kept watching the Fast and Furious movies out of a labor of love because we fell in love with the series, Whereas this is a labor of loathe in which we can't stop, but we also don't like it. We sat through some, some real stinkers. I will say, this episode... I mean, the second episode was, I think, a little bit better than this episode. Because there was some character development. This episode had no character development. Just, like, remember all the things we should have done before now? Like, establish that Echo can fight and Frosty and Cisco are, are, like, a, a cool team. We're just going to do some catch-up while Tony does the cool thing. Yeah. We're going to do some catch-up. It's like the pacing for the show is just completely off. And you know, the simplest thing that I want from a kid's show is to know who's who's what archetype. I don't know who's the hacker or the muscle. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the thing about Cisco is like he's the muscle, but he's he hasn't muscled anything. He lifted a thing. car once. Which, to be fair... should that car be light? <laughs> lifting the entire back of a car, we know that only Dominic Toretto has oh. completed that feat thus far. Oh, wow. Well... So perhaps Cisco's secret feat is almost being as strong as Dominic Toretto. And we will see that play out. <laughs> and on that note, that is the end of our allotted time to talk about Spy Racers. Tune in next week for another segment where we cover the fourth episode (sighs) i look forward to uh watching this episode in my car as i hastily eat another two impossible whoppers we have to have a conversation about your impossible whoppers but we don't have time (laughs) here on the podcast we have a stacked episode there's no time to talk about my health We have to, we are honor-bound, we're duty. If you have been following the podcast in the past few weeks, fams, you know what we're going to introduce. The fourth installment of the Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers Netflix series, The Owl Job. We have to discuss this episode. And I'm going to set the timer, I believe... Um, Oh, I'm breaking the time. Oh, so uh, we've got 24 minutes and 30 seconds on the clock. Okay, so it's ever-increasing every time we talk about Spy Racers. Look, if you sum up the joke as I'm doing (laughs) it, it loses a little bit of the edge. And also now, like, a layer of veneer has been shorn off this, this whole production. Yes, I'm adding time each time. Because I don't know how to not do a thing. Once I start something, it goes until completion. But the funny thing is that the the future joke is that the the times that I add are going to be increasingly insanely like smaller. So look forward to that, I guess. 24 minutes 30 seconds on the clock. The Owl Job, fourth episode of Spyrid's Racer. Damn it. Fast and Furious Spy Racers, here we go. Start. I hate this show. Yeah. I oh desperately hate this show. I don't know what it was about this episode, but he, the the pacing for this show is literally insane. Yes. We, we get the premise of the show in the first episode. The second episode, we're introduced to all the characters... The third episode, those characters finally get some characterization. And now, in the fourth episode, we learn the backstory of Frosty for seemingly no reason. I totally forgot the the background of Frosty part. I only remember it because a slightly cool thing is he's got two moms. Yeah, he has two moms, which is cool. Uh, One thing that's uh, cool about this episode, I guess, is that... Has the Fast and Furious thing of sometimes people race for no reason. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, I, I will give this show credit in that the action sequences are kind of good. And that's kind of the only thing it has going on for it. Because even in that action sequence, toward the end when they're meeting Sarkadoshi. What's his name? Shashidar. Whatever. How do you know these names? I'm also, i 99% sure, earlier in the episode, someone called him Shasha. Yeah. And I think they just didn't care and kept it. So, in that action sequence that John just complimented, toward the end of it, when they're reaching Sasha Dar, uh, we get this photo finish that neither of the characters could know or acknowledge, and yet they both in the show's reality, acknowledged that one beat the other, even though it would be impossible for them to tell. He's got a... he's got Toretto eyes. Um, oh. there's, there's functionally nothing to talk about in this episode. I, yeah, I mean, <sighs> that there's... I've got real grievances against the show now. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, it takes place in the Fast and Furious world. And one of the characters is related to Dom Toretto. And then we're going to build off in our own direction. But now they're building lore for the main series. (laughs) Yes. Because uh, Tony Toretto tells a story about his aunt or something. Yeah. Who had a bird. Uh Uh-huh. And apparently Dom Toretto, the Dominic Toretto... Went back to save the bird from a house fire from a house fire, and now we're led to believe that all Torettos will always go back to save the bird. Like, I build your own little corner of the universe, yes, you know, build do your own thing in this cinematic universe that is beloved by millions. But don't try to put lore in the film's mouth. Like, don't... We never saw Toretto save a bird. No. Now I'm okay with them building out the universe. I I disagree in that I like the idea of them doing that because it gives us something to talk about. But something I want to look at is Tony Toretto is Dom Toretto's what? Cousin. He's his cousin, which means Tony Toretto is the child of... Wait, cousin? What? what's cousin? Cousin is like... Uh, I don't have a family. <laughs> so cousin is like your, um, your father's brother your had father's a kid. Your father's brother had a kid. Your father's nephew is your cousin. Okay, so Tony Toretto... His parents. His, one of his parents. One of, one of his parents... Had a brother and, and a, sister. a brother And a sister whose child was Dominic Toretto. What <laughs> No, 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 no. no, no. Look, hold on. <laughs> I need to get this straight. So Dominic Toretto has a has a, a let's say a mom. Yes. His mom has a sister. His sister had Tony, Ter- Tony Toretto. Yes, that's it. Why is their age difference so huge? Because what if what if Dominic was a surprise baby to a teenage parent? Oh no, darkness. And Tony Toretto was a, a planned baby of a of a of down the line like I technically have cousins who are in like their uh how old are they? I guess they're near their seventies. Really? Oh yeah. Because I, guess I have that too. I, I I guess a little small deep dive into my family. My dad was the youngest of four, and the gap between him and his eldest sister was about twenty or so years. Yeah, I had an uncle that was like ninety. Uh people used to be having babies. Let me tell you, people be having babies. Now, da- Tony Toretto's aunt... His aunt is who, his That could actually... It could be Dominic Toretto's mother. It could actually be Dominic Toretto's mother. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That, yeah, there's no way to dispute it. So we know now we have built out at least somewhat the Toretto family tree because we have oh. Mom and Papa Toretto... Yeah. Two... Dom. Yeah. And then we have a branch that An goes aunt. to Tony. It could be yeah. And Tony's aunt could be Dom's mom. But also Mr. and Mrs. Toretto have Mia, Dom, and John Cena. Dom Bun spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Jacob. Jacob. I thought it was Justin, which would be an incredible bad guy. Justin Toretto. Justin Toretto. <laughs> we got the widest name we could. Uh, yes. that. Now we've built up the family tree. I think that's interesting. This whole bird thing, I don't think that's so uh, interesting. Wh- what do you think about codes being stored on diamonds? I don't care. I oh. don't And apparently the code... Okay, so there's a whole there's a whole like usually like there's a C plot you can throw away. There's an entire B plot you can throw away in this episode. I dare say you could throw away the A plot as well. Nothing yeah what truly occurs in this episode. Oh, uh, um, Tony Toretto and Lysandry. <laughs> yes. What's her name? Layana? Layla. Layla, Layla. So Tony and Layla bonded a little bit, and that's gonna I think that's hinting at the future where Layla's he's gonna turn Layla to the the, to the light side of the force. Yes. While as uh, Sashay Dar is gonna try to like corrupt her into the dark side of the force. Because, Even though we know that Sashi Dar is actually gonna be a good guy in the end. I don't arson. think he is anymore. Uh I don't know. We'll see. Also, uh I don't know how I feel look. In this twenty twenty age of like let's let's represent and all, I don't know how I feel about having a Russian character depicted wearing like, you know, the Yushinka hat. Yeah. Just for the sole fact that oh we gotta tell he's Russian. Yeah, I I don't know. I that character was bad. That whole scene was bad. This Even entire, the car chase was bad. The entire episode, the entire was, episode just, was really bad. I guess the only thing I really got out of the Russian scene was, like, further evidence that literally everyone in this universe can drive really well and just further credence that Tokyo Drift was just a joke on whatever yeah. the main character's name was, he was just so bad <laughs> like he was like yeah this is kind of like my community service i'm going to teach this kid how to drift yeah because everyone else can do it <laughs> but him for some reason he, he for some reason has a severe driving based learning disability uh and when he returns in uh highway to hell we'll see that uh, nothing happens in this episode. I I badly hate oh, it. Oh man! Uh, what it's th- a filler episode in a, in a series that has eight episodes. No, uh, I there was one thing I was gonna say, but I don't remember it. Um, was it wasn't it? that interesting. We still got sixteen minutes. Uh, all right, more things I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, it kind of feels like piling on, but like. Do we really need, like, a gotta reach my steps for the day joke? No, we don't. Oh, I know what I liked. What did you like? I liked Rusty. Rusty was really good, actually. Rusty was, bar oh. none, the highlight of this episode. Shashi Dar has a security chief or head of security for his private home named Rusty, and Rusty is an incredible character, and really, whoever is writing the typically pretty bad jokes for this show really hit it out of the park with this one. Uh, Rusty, he has one character trait, and that's he over-explains everything. Yeah. Uh, He's really <laughs> into cameras. I, I almost feel as though they decided to write him that way, because when the power fails... Dude, to, by the way, they can generate earthquakes. Oh, yeah, they can uh, generate, wait, no, they can generate false earthquakes. Yes, they can generate uh, false earthquakes. Because they called it a false earthquake, and in my head, I'm like, isn't that just an earthquake? Yeah. Uh, but they can make earthquakes happen. Yeah. Uh, but when the power goes down at the Dar residence, Rusty says, time to reboot the camera system. And I think if I were writing that, trail, I'd be like, since we have to put in that line for children, wouldn't it be yeah. funny if since he was compelled to say to no one, time to reboot the camera system, he might just be someone who says everything he thinks and over-explains every single thing. Uh, he talks about, uh, what is it, Louis Francois Daguerre? Yes, yes, Daguerreotypes in the first camera. My, This is my second favorite usage of Daguerreotypes in media other than Life is Strange. <laughs> The video game, yeah, the first episode oh, of Life is Strange. I, I, During the I, little I, tutorial I, I, thing I, I, in the in the classroom, I, I, you have that I, I, gross I, I, professor I, I, teaching about daguerreotypes. You ever played Life is Strange? I never played Life is Strange. It's quite good. Okay, well, it's quite good. If I want to read a book, I will. It's quite good. You did read a book. It's called Disco Elysium. <laughs> uh, it's a very sure. long book. So the the good thing about Rusty is so Sashidar, Dar, whose name I'm probably butchering. Was on the phone with this guy, and, like, he hangs up on him. Yes. And later, when he arrives at home, Rusty is kind of, like, you know, outside, kind of, like, everything good. All things good. Yep. And, like, this is is very, like, non-forthcoming with, like... And then finally, it comes on to Sashi Dara to be like, look, I'm sorry <laughs> I hung up on you. Like, that felt like a real genuine person moment because it, it was, was great. It was a really good moment because he's like, I had a lot going on, but listen, that was rude. I was wrong. Do you want to talk about it? And they like made up. Yeah. It was weirdly heartwarming. You know, I it's always good to see a multi-millionaire treat his, his staff with some modicum of, of humanity wasn't there a thing early on in the episode where it zoomed in on a character's face and then another character just said booyah for some reason yeah that happened in literally the opening of this yeah so so Layla shows up at the crew ha- ha- hangout and tells Tony Toretto, hey Sasha Dar needs to meet you or something like, and then for no reason the only line Cisco has in this sh- in this episode it feels like. He looks right into the camera and goes, Booyah, for no reason. For absolutely no reason. Uh, and also, Cisco's other line is he finds a Froyo dispenser. Oh, yeah. Because apparently Froyo is the thing that they want to keep bringing back. And then, at the very end, I don't know if he says anything, but he is drinking directly from a container of milk, which yeah. I thought was funny. Well, he's, he's on gallon of milk a day. Go mad. Yeah, he's on go mad. I'm on gallon of soy milk a day. I'm go sad. Yeah. We're actually on bag of bagel a day, bobad. (laughs) That's pretty funny, bobad? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm sorry, I'm in a dark place right now because we still have eleven minutes and thirty seconds to talk about this episode that we both did not like. Okay, wait, I have I have an idea for how we can use the remaining eleven minutes. You wanna sit here in silence? No, no, no. Oh. What we'll do... Just the sound of the wind shines in the background (laughs) for 11 minutes. Yeah. Uh, How uh, listener hostile. What I would like to do is just spice it up a little bit. I know it might be outside the scope, but I'd like to say... There's not going to be time to talk about it on this episode, probably. And it's something I care about and people should know about. So what I'll do is I'll give one thing about the episode most likely something i liked or didn't like and i will use an equivalent amount of time to describe something from the movie birds of prey or the fantabulous emancipation by harley quinn Quinn. no we can't do that fine what the fuck are we going to talk about even though you took a long time to set that up that's great. Uh, you gotta, what we can not de- do. Denial Look, is the, the basis of all creativity. We have to keep it Fast and Furious related. I'm sorry you can't bring in other cinematic universe properties. Okay. Because we do have Fast and Furious news to discuss. It's a shame we have to talk about Spy Racers, though. It's part of the same cinematic universe. Okay, we have to tie it in, though. You have to tie it in. It involves Vin Diesel. So, Dominic, just to refresh, Dominic Toretto is the cousin of Tony Toretto. I get it. And Dominic Toretto is in a series of Fast and Furious. Because I said no to your thing, you're now going to belabor facts about (laughs) Fast and Furious so that there's no time for my. Well, look, when you call attention to the joke and you remove (laughs) a veneer. Shut up. Okay. Why are we fighting this episode? Fast and Furious news. So have you seen the headline or the article if you're more inclined (laughs) to read the entire thing? Yes. Vin Diesel has said he wants to split the 10th movie, (laughs) the 10th part of The Fast and Furious, into two movies. I've been saying this for a long time, and this is going to be... This is not going to be the first or the last time you hear me say this, listeners, but hit me with a hobbit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Make make a hobbit out of this. Let's make a hobbit out of of this. (laughs) But the funny thing is, like, okay, the the headline caught me off guard because, number one, who said they were going to stop at ten films? <laughs> uh, yeah, so there was... This, a, this news is coming out of nowhere, seemingly. There, there was this thing a few weeks ago where they described the ninth film as the penultimate film. Yeah. And I don't know where this narrative of there's only going to be ten Fast and Furious movies came from, because I'm devastated by that news. See, like, there's no rules in cinema that, like, once you hit ten you have to stop, so, yeah. like... Don't split the tenth movie into two parts. Just do an eleventh movie. So the the thing that I you know I have to respect them because they had they had the restrictions that they had, and a lot of people haven't done this and they paid the price. But I appreciate that they're ending it where the book said. <laughs> you know, a lot of the times you see you see just you know like I don't friends. You see these sitcoms that just keep going forever into, like, 300th episodes or whatever and just gets kind of the same or whatever. So I'm glad that the Fast and Furious uh, franchise is taking a page out of, like, Breaking Bad's book and they're ending it before it gets stale. (laughs) Yes. After 10 After 10 slash 11 movies. (laughs) Slash 12 movies, Hobbs and Shaw? Oh, yeah. And then the door's open for the other characters to have other things. Oh, you think we're finally going to get our, uh... Ludicrous (laughs) Ludicrous spin-off? <laughs> yes, the the Tej movie. The, yeah, the rise the Rise of Tedge <laughs> Uh un- unfortunately I have looked at the spec script and they did not go with the Rise of Tedge. Oh. It is Tej of Tomorrow. Tedge of to- Oh, I would watch Tedge of Tomorrow. <laughs> it's the same it's plot. It's the same plot. Yeah. Yeah. mmm doesn't, uh, that parkour video game, Mirror's Tej, is also Tedge. going to be pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Galaxy's Tedge, Tedge at Disney World. Galaxy's <laughs> at Disney World. How many more Tedge jokes can we make? Uh, there's a fighting game on the PlayStation called Soul Tedge. Oh, yeah, Soul Tedge. Yeah, Soul Tedge. That's on the Dreamcast, right? Uh, Yeah. 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 And then it was renamed Soul <laughs> Roman. Yes, <laughs> when it uh, got ported later. The, unfortunately, that's that a nerdy true. fucking joke. <laughs> it really is. Uh, but yes, Tedge of Tomorrow slash so, Fast okay. and Furious Eleven. We've already established that in Fast Furious Nine, they go to space. Uh huh. They have to. And our proposed script for Fast Ten Highway to Hell. Uh huh. Uh, Dom or the crew journeys to hell to save somebody from the crew. Yes. To rip them from the mitts yeah. of the devil. From the devil himself, played by, let's say, Josh Brolin, because that would be fun, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Josh Brolin as the devil? That'd be, that'd be pretty good. That'd be a that'd be cool, that'd be cool time. Pretty, you know, I don't know yeah. if I'm typecasting him, but look, I'm not a producer. I'm just an ideas guy. Yeah, no. Uh, so we made that plan with, Before we had the knowledge that the 10th movie might potentially be split in twain. Mm -hmm. How does that knowledge affect our plans for Highway to Hell? So, knowing that it's in two parts, it complicates it. But I've thought about this. Okay. Now, I think Fast and Furious 10, Highway to Hell, remains. Okay. I think that the plot largely remains unchanged. They, they rip this person from the the, midst, the ninth circle of hell, where politicians go, or whatever Dante said. Oh, yeah, it's where uh, people who eat marshmallows go. But the thing is, I'm going to pitch it to you this way. We know that people of our generation are now writing movies. Your 25 to your 35-year-olds are now in charge. They're the creatives now. Yeah, okay. And they were raised by one thing. They were raised by Japanese role-playing games where the ultimate objective was to kill God. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to pull, like, a Diablo 3. Yes. Slash any Persona game. (laughs) Slash any Final Fantasy game. Yes. Yeah, no, so so I was thinking about this. Like, what if they travel all the way to Hell, fight Hell's legions, meet Satan, it turns out, like, he's uh, he's a pretty chill guy. Yeah. He's more like a Hades of Greek mythology than an actual... Like Christian Satan. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, I'd love to help you. But he's not here. Uh, whoever. Yeah. yeah, Letty's not here. Letty's in heaven. Oh, no. Dom, if Dom dies in Fast 9, obviously Dom goes to hell uh, for his crimes. Yeah. Letty goes to heaven because she's innocent. She's innocent in all this. <laughs> yes. She did what she did out of love. And Dom yeah. did it out of pure, pure <laughs> greed. <laughs> Gotta get that money. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Satan's like... But wait, let's team up. Josh Brolin joins the (laughs) clique. Yes. The devil joins the Fast and Furious crew. And they take down heaven. Yes. So it becomes Highway to Hell. Part 2 has to be called Stairway to Heaven? No. Can't do it. It's called Furious Heaven. Furious Heaven. Explosions in the sky. Explosions in the sky. Car, carway to heaven. F10. The Fast Uh Saga, colon, 10 part 2. (laughs) Uh-huh. 10-X-2. Furious Heaven, colon, explosions in the sky. Explosions in the sky. They have to ride or die to heaven. We don't have a lot of these movies ending on a cliffhanger, but what it is is the devil joins the crew, right? Yeah. And they go back to Earth to prepare. However... God has infested the world with angels. Oh man. And Red Dawn style. The world has now been colonized by angels who like put people in camps and took over the government or whatever. And they take they 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 remove all the roads because they can fly. Yeah. They don't need roads. They remove the roads. They remove the roads. They take where we're going, we don't need roads seriously. Yes. And delete the roads with angel powers to make room for like, I don't know. People in cages. You yeah. said yes. People in cages. Now here's the thing: is that going to read too political? <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Uh, but they come back. We're out of. T- we're limited on time. But they come back. Cliffhanger. Because how are they going to get out of this one? How are they oh, going to yeah. defeat the legions of heaven? Yeah, the fast and familiar. What are they? They say do? they see there are no roads. What are we going to do? Yeah. And gone from his absence. Being in Hobbs and Shaw and then Hobbs and Shaw 2. Yeah. By now. By by this point. By, by this point, Hobbs and Shaw 2 Reloaded has come out. Yeah. Um, and they killed whoever the voice was. They killed whoever the voice was, Josh Gad. And then uh they the the movie opens, the part two, and they say they they took all the Okay. Ten ends. They say they took all the roads. Credits. hmm 10-2 opens. Cold open. They say, they took all the roads. The rock in a tank or whatever rolls up and says, when's the last time? We need a roads. Yeah. And then it happens. Then and then it happens. So, like, imagine the last 30 minutes of uh, Avengers Endgame, but for two and a half hours. Yes. Just, like, not much plot. Just, like. Boom, 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 taking angels out, Take it rolling over a- angel strongholds yeah. that are just made out of humans and cages. <laughs> the the final Fast and Furious movie, if you've ever played 2016's Doom. Yeah. Uh, it's basically Doom. It's basically just two and a half to three and a half hours of these characters we've come to know and love. Brutally, violently murdering angels. Yeah. With no dialogue. It's like, it's Doom meets Bayonetta. And possibly Ooh. the unreleased as of now, Doom Eternal. Yeah. Doom Eternal plus Bayonetta. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect movie. And we'll workshop this, you know, we got a long yeah, time yeah. before it comes out. Yeah. But this is the spec for right now. So if you want to grease our palms with silver... Get in contact with us and send us millions of dollars. Yeah, uh, listen to the end of the episode, Hollywood Execs, for the uh, contact information. Uh, That's our official business email that you can hit us up at. For, you know, ideas about Fast and Furious and really about any other long-standing franchise. Because I feel like uh, all franchises need a heaven and hell arc. Absolutely. And it's a shame because we do share an email address for sponsorship inquiries for the video of a cat that sounds like a southern guy saying, oh, hi. Yeah, well. Same agency. Oh, I hear the uh, the, the angels' choir of bells ch- uh, chirping. That sounds means we are out of time. To- How unfortunate. How unfortunate. We talked about spy oh. racers and only spy racers yeah. for so long. That fills the require. We have to do four more of those. Oh. <sighs> Can only get better, right? Abs- I, this is called the episode four hump. Yeah. Can down, I, Hab- down, I, Abbey had it. No, it didn't. Down, Abbey slaps. Can only get better from here. There's no way that executives for a Netflix kid show did three decent episodes and then called it like a job. And then just left the rest to, like, I don't know, a Markov chain generator. There, There's no way. Because, you know, people have always said Netflix truly cares about art. Bazinga. Bazinga. Uh, We're drinking some beers today, and we actually got together and did something a little bit unusual before the podcast. Right. Uh, So those of you who don't know, because you don't know John's personal work schedule, Mm. John worked basically 12 and a half hours today. Yes. And so we got together before the podcast to watch the next episode of Fast and Furious Colon Spy Racers, episode 5. The Celestial Vault. Yes, the, the Celestial Vault. Now, I do believe, typically speaking, when we do this segment, we've got some kind of timer going. Do you? Are you doing the timer this week? or I'm you? not doing the timer. I'm that's, actually looking up a fact. That's you setting up, prompting me to put the timer. That's right. We're going to uh, do a timer for, I don't know, let's say 24 minutes and uh let's say i'm just picking a random number out of my head 42 seconds it's a palindrome time starts now so i have a lot to say about this episode now it was uh heartening to watch an episode of spy racers surrounded by uh those i love and respect uh and I, maybe that had something to do with it, but overall, I actually kind of like this episode. This is strange, because it's kind. it feels like as though we are going through the first four Fast and Furious movies, and then the fifth one is good. Yeah, it's pretty similar. It's very similar, because this fifth one... I'm not going to say it was good. I'm going to say it was better than the other four. Yes, it, it is by no means great television, but I will say when the episode started, it was uh, more of the same shit. It was a lot of uh, bad jokes by these characters we don't care about. And increased characterization coming now midstream into the action, including apparently Cisco, whose name I, I know, uh... He's supposed to be the dumb one. It's str- and that's new to, news to me because uh, he's like their main mechanic. Yes, it's interesting that now we have this like dark horse candidate saying that he is the dumb one. Because usually, I don't want to tell these people how to write, but if a character could be described as the dumb one, you usually find out pretty early in the show. It's usually obvious because they speak a little differently from everyone else around them. Unlike the people in this show. Where everyone talks the goddamn same. Everyone everyone sounds exactly the same with different voices. Uh, they speak at the same clip, making the same jokes. Yep. Uh, but at some point, it was clear that like he doesn't think too good and has maybe slammed his head too many times. Uh, all I know about Cisco is he seems to be a pretty smart guy who drinks a lot of milk. Yeah, and he likes cup holders, which we learn in this episode because that's his favorite feature to add on to Spy Car. Yes, and the Spy Cars had things added on to them. I will Let's say... Let's just get to the meat. I will say, though, I do like to give credit where credit is due on this show for putting in actual car things. They uh, they did say that stopping a train with his car did mess up uh, Tony Toretto's transmission. And that's a little bit of continuity that I can applaud. Because I like it when a show will, will refer back to things that happened to it. As though they were happening in sequential order. Yeah. Unlike, say, a Simpsons or... Another show that does that sort of thing. There was a time in my life, and I think a time in your life as well, uh, where we were young enough to not really... Uh, treasure continuity in television shows. I don't know which show first brought continuity to your attention and the powers of character development and a changing, uh, changing landscape, but mine was a Reboot. Reboot? Actually, now that you say that, mine was also French-Canadian animated show Code Lyoko. Oh, really? I've never seen Code Lyoko. Don't. Is it not good? I don't think it is. But that show had a sequential or a serialized storytelling point of view. And now I'm learning that Reboot did as well. Uh, Reboot did as well. And Reboot uh, gave me... I still think on this fondly as something that I I look for every time I consume media. There is... Reboot is largely like kind of monster of the wiki. I think Megabyte is the bad guy. Is he the guy with the helmet head? I think so. Uh, But eventually... Uh, we, we get to this point where the, uh, okay, I guess your wife is alive. You okay? Sounds like she went in another room, so she's oh, fine. okay. Uh, but eventually Enzo is the kid. Oh, we're still on reboot? Yes, we're still on reboot. Enzo is the child in reboot. Uh, eventually there is a massive time skip. Right. And then Enzo is this like cool guy with an eye patch who's got a gun and a girlfriend. And then whoever the main character from reboot is, they bring him out of the cyber world where he was cast off. for this dark middle chapter. And he comes back like a cyber god guy. Mm. And the fact that Enzo was missing an eye and I think an arm or a hand. I'm going to be honest with you. I mark out hardest for narratives that show character development by people losing extremities. Yeah. That's why I love Metal Gear Solid. Because that's all you do. That's all you do is lose extremities. Yeah, it's like Star Wars. All you do is get peed on and lose an eye. Isn't your hand like a rocket hand? Oh, yeah, but that's... That's after the ones that matter. Oh, sorry. I'm talking Metal Gears one through four. After that, you get the like Phantom Pain stuff, and that's fine. You mean before but, that? Yeah, before that, because of the continuity. Well, anyway, yes. So. After that, tech. Well, no, no before no, that, f- but also four is the end also of the series. After that, no, four is the end of the series. Yeah. Well, you so have five before. Yeah, we're not getting <laughs> okay. into this serialization and cartoons, I highly re- respect, and I, I, I like it when a show can pull it off well. I'm not saying that Spy Racers is pulling it off well, but I like the nod to it, because that means somebody once watched a serialized cartoon and said, oh, well, you can do that. Yeah, we can do that now. There's a lot of changes in characterization that happen, and the one that I maybe want to spend the most time talking about is... The our, meat. The meat. Uh, heretofore... In this show, our primary antagonist has been one Shashidar. Yes. And I may I might have called this early on by saying that Shashidar's overriding principle has been that he's stealing from tech billionaires. Yes. It is now seemingly revealed uh, that Shashidar has uh, has an extreme I don't know if he's got a a socialist viewpoint, but at least an anarchistic, anti-privatization viewpoint. Uh, Because he... the entire episode circles around this Mount Zebulon that is owned by a tech billionaire. Right. Shashi's whole thing is to say that no human being should have enough wealth to own a mountain. He also apparently used to camp on Mount Zebulon with his parents... Before they pass. Yes. Now, we don't know what happened there. But... I, th- I think a Winter Soldier happened to his parents. It's been a while since I've seen Winter Soldier. Hold on... The character. It. Yes. There we go. I don't know. I, I, so, yeah. <laughs> Sashidar, seemingly lining up with the morals of the actions that we've seen thus far, now says his words aloud and and rallies against privatization, private property. Yeah. And Interestingly enough for an antagonist, he's not anti-America. He's yes. actually pro-America. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he's like, he's, you think it's okay if someone owns a mountain and the people don't even get a vote in America? In America? That sits well with you. Like, he's taking these security guards to task over their just posting of guarding this random mountain for no reason. Yes, and, and then he, he inflicts, I don't want to give Spy Racers too much credit for making incisive social commentary, but when he says to the goons of the billionaire who has privatized land uh, that people sit secure in their technology, uh, not knowing the danger it poses to them, and then uses their own turrets to blow up the gate, in a show that's better than this... That would have been, like, world-class cartooning. Oh, yeah. Would have been so good. And it was good. Like, say say maybe... I don't know. This is just a for instance. Say if you took that sequence and put it in um, Sonic the Hedgehog starring Ben Schwartz and Jim Carrey. It might have elevated that movie even more so because that's a really good film. And I kind of want to talk about it, but I guess we can't because we're talking about Fast and Furious. Oh, that's... Yeah, I now remember what I had planned. For the rest of this episode. Thank you, Fast and Furious, Fire Racers. Anyway. Yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's like... And, I, and if the rest of the show were up to that scene's quality, this would be a good show. Yes. But instead, it's it's like... There's a rule in writing where you give all the good lines to the secondary character. Mm-hmm. So people like the secondary character uh, and like care for them. And they serve a purpose in the story. It's what I like to call a Dragon Age. Sure, and it seems like the uh, the writers or a Knights of the Old Republic. BioWare leans pretty heavily on that, actually. Mass Effect. Yeah, also Mass. Man, they, yeah. they really do do. They that. really do do that because it's it's a good rule in writing. Because usually, like at least in like a first person thing, uh, you're the person experiencing is already projecting themselves into the the main character. Yeah. So you give the best lines to the secondary characters so that you, the protagonist cares about the secondary characters. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It seems like the writers for Fast and Furious Spy Racers are doing that with Sashi Dar. Yes. Interesting that they give it to the antagonist and not the actual, like, secondary characters that are the cadre to the protagonist. Yeah. Even this, this, this episode does a lot of telegraphing with uh, Frosty and what happens to Frosty. Frosty at the end of the episode... Kind of a cliffhanger. He gets kidnapped. Yes. But even like the... And they set up that like, oh, Frosty, don't leave the hangar, Don't leave the pot. Don't Frosty's leave... not been in the action for four episodes. Yeah. And um, this is like he's, he's going to leave and he, like they're, they're setting up that something's bad's going to happen to him. But even with all of that, I just can't find myself caring about Frosty. No matter how many times they show his lesbian moms. Yes. Now, one thing that I will say about Frosty... Once again, I don't give a shit about Frosty. Frosty's a big old who care. But... But lesbian moms. Credit where credit's due for this show. They did, in the span of this episode, give Frosty an interesting arc that had a a moment of catharsis when he actually, like, deploys his drone suit, which you felt good about. Yeah, This show... I will be honest, I feel like a, a man who's been trapped in a French prison for two years. And the days in which I sit thirsty, hungry, abused by my captors are de rigueur. at this point. I don't care. But this one episode has been a, a bit of condensation forming on the peat moss at the top of my cell and a single drop of water landed on my tongue for the barest bit of characterization uh, and catharsis and, like, pretty decent writing and character development. This felt great. Maybe this is their strategy, a real feast and famine situation. Yeah, they starve us of any good moments so that the actual decent moments we have, we elevate all the more because they stand out as, like, a beacon of what could be amidst a desert of just, like, hopelessness. I mean, I don't want to make any crass comparisons, but it's like every fifth or sixth episode of The Dragon Prince, which really slaps, and then you watch yeah. other episodes which don't. There's which, a lot of... I don't want to compare these shows at all, because you to shouldn't. be clear, Dragon Prince is at best like a 60%, yeah. but it's still leagues better than Spy races. Right, 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 right. Uh, but it, really, I, I feel like if you compared the Shashidar stuff to the writing in pretty much any other medium, it would be trash. But I'm probably going to be riding on a high of how good that Shashi-Dar dialogue was for oh, yeah. a minute. And the race was good, too. The race was... Far- okay, they, there, there's that, a big reveal at the start yes. of the race, which is great. Sashi dar reveals to all of the strikers. What are they called? Shifters. Shifters. All of the shifters that Tony and his crew are working for the feds. They're rats. There we go. Stakes. Something this show has never had is... We know that no one can die in this show, so putting someone in mortal peril is meaningless. But if you do put them in a position where their vector to the story can change, you create stakes. Yeah, yeah. And they did that. It it felt, like, vital and cool to actually kind of care about something. Characters felt betrayed, like Layla, who, in the first five minutes of this episode, makes pig noises and a horrifying goddamn goddamn face. Pig noises for too long, and also too accurate yeah, too convincing yeah. and also like is that just the thing she knows <laughs> she can do yeah she walks around with that knowledge in her head that's yeah. just like you know at any moment I can just make pig noises at any moment I can make six pig noises when the script should call for two yeah uh, uh, yeah, yeah I mean like yeah the The world of what we are watching has shifted in that Shiftered. moment shifted in that moment And then he places a bounty on their heads, and it's like, oh, this is no longer just a race. This is a death race starring Jason Statham. Yes. Uh, Death Death Wraith 2000. Uh, And then the episode, you know, resolves in its way. However... Oh, I do want to say, I I think we had been keeping a body count. (laughs) For our young spy racers, I think they've killed, before this episode, around five people. Uh Uh-huh. I think you could double that. Yeah, this brings us to ten, because... A solid ten dead. So, two cars exploded... Uh, one was unambiguously knocked off of the mountain. Yes. And another two were crushed by Cisco's car. Yep. And the disturbing thing to me about the ones that were crushed by Cisco's car, and I understand why they did this, they had the car spin out dramatically to align the windshield with the viewer, and they didn't want to put a human in there to imply that they died, so it's empty. Yeah, an empty but to car. to me, that reads as the person has died and is, like, in the bottom of, <laughs> yeah. the, oh, of no, the car. Yeah. Got, yeah, it's just, like, their whole body just kind of slumped it's over. It's sickening. It's yeah. sickening because Cisco does the rocket to jump over a car to avoid killing people, but then, since he lands on these other two cars, you have to imagine that Cisco's thought process is, why settle for one? <laughs> this is the trolley problem. Why would I kill just one person <laughs> yeah. when I could kill two to three? Cisco looks at the trolley problem and he's like, I could kill no people or five? <laughs> yeah. gotta, I have to, get, gotta, I have to get, bump up the KD ratio. That is, yeah, got to get my, my high score up. Yeah. Oh. This show is a very interesting <laughs> exercise in writing because just think about the characters we have. Who do we know the most about? Reflect a little bit. Probably Layla. We know the most about Layla? Layla and Tony, I would say. What? Like, just facts about them. About their lives. Facts about them. Miss nowhere. (laughs) I mean, like, I think you're, like... I think the answer in my head is Frosty, because we're... Oh, actually, absolutely. We have not seen the home lives of any of these people. We have spent more time with Frosty and his backstory and his background and stuff. Lesbian moms. Lesbian moms who run a diner. It's adorable. He has a little sister. We have spent more time with that. And I think that was supposed to try to make us care that he gets kidnapped further on. But we still don't care. It's like they, they... it's like the writers were like, oh, what does it take for people to t- care about something? I know. Facts. We'll just list off a bunch of facts. No, no, don't show. Don't tell. We'll show them a bunch of facts. And then they'll care when he gets kidnapped. But it didn't work for some reason. Only be- I-, I guess it's because he was a little idiot and didn't stay in the car. You know what? I understand a lot of what they're going for with Frosty. But here's something I don't understand. Yeah. in his diner restaurant with his lesbian moms, uh, there's a there's a plate put out, and she says, "Can you bring these tapas to table six or whatever? However, in the most recent episode, he is displaying the drone suit and he says that uh, he- with the help of the drone suit that they'll be doling out uh, so much soap Prosetta, that they won't know what to do with it. And here's my question. Tapas are traditionally small plates in Spanish culture. So prosciutto is a dried Italian meat. What kind of restaurant are they running? Well, I think it's your typical diner which serves <laughs> tapas and sopraseta. <laughs> your typical inner city American diner <laughs> that serves Tapas and soprasetta. Among th- lobster <laughs> yes. and, and ribeye <laughs> and T-bone steaks. They are a very fusion of every fucking thing. It annoys me that clearly clearly they had built this out whatever whatever 3D artist they found on Fiverr, built this diner out, and then they were like, Hey, uh, we need to have them serve food, but we want to show that this is like hip or upscale or say something that's referential to also Tapas. Needs, it also needs to be diverse. But everyone knows tapas, right? It's, it's got to be diverse because his moms are black and Spanish. Yes. So they wouldn't serve burgers in a diner, you idiot. But it, it's number one. This does not look like a place that would serve tapas or so I'm no. sorry. It looks like a greasy spoon. It does. Uh, but when they say like, oh, bring these tapas. I'm like, okay, I get it. They're trying to like make it cute. There is no Spanish... Italian fusion restaurant that I'm aware of. And I know that I'm harping on this a lot, but it really annoys me. What's funny is I've been to a tapas restaurant, and of course I've been to an Italian restaurant. Yes. And I've actually been to an Italian tapas restaurant. What? Which does Italian small plates. Yeah. But I've never done a re- been to a restaurant that does both individually. <laughs> yeah. it, it's fascinating to me. Maybe it is an Italian small plates place. It's tough to say. But it... it... Just get it right. Find out the food that's typically in tapas and stick to that. And also, can you bring... Also, you know what? Here's the thing. If you're serving small plates, don't call them tapas if they're not Spanish-influenced. I I, I was about to say, like, uh, you wouldn't call them tapas because if you're, at, like, if you serve tapas, you serve a lot of things. Yeah. Everything would be tapas. So it's like, you could easily just say, hey, could you take this plate? Yes. To table six. Yeah. You can make a small plates restaurant, but you can't make... <sighs> I shouldn't get this annoyed about it. The episode was fine. Clearly, this is the biggest problem in Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers. Uh, the diner makes no sense. The diner makes no sense. Here's... A larger problem with the Fast and Furious universe: the food makes no sense. But in all of the, in the whole universe, the food doesn't make sense. What did? What did he want? An Egg salad sandwich with no crust? When? In the first movie, when he's trying to oh, move, I think it was me, tuna tuna sandwich. Tuna sandwich. T-tuna who no serves crust. that? Mia. Who serves that? Why is Han always eating chips? Because chips are good. It annoys me. I just want also, one. Food focused fast and furious movie. It's gonna start Brad Pitt. Yes, in a car. Uh huh. John Favreau. Oh yeah. <laughs> Chefs in cars eating, eating chips. It is actually chef with two f's it is chef fast <laughs> and furious. Chef. chef F and anyway, furious. I've I've uh I get really annoyed about the food uh. thing. I just want to take, uh, these last couple of minutes we have, uh, plus some extra time because we paused to see if my wife was okay. Um, I want to applaud the visuals of the mountain race. Uh, it was rainy and water splashed into the camera that then became somebody's windshield. Like, yeah. that's, if nothing else, the car, the races and stuff, the animations there are, are great. Yes. And then for some reason the faces all kind of discomfort me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because they're constantly moving. Their faces move so much. They made a race, which is what I wanted, which is a race in which the only two things that are used are jumps and grappling hooks. Yeah. Well, there was some colored smoke, and then Tony knew that after he drove a football field length assistance, he should turn right. Absolutely. Uh, And then another thing that I liked is at the end, uh, The only thing that I want out of this and Watchmen is to compare all billionaires to Elon Musk. And they oh, said yeah. that there's like a Melma Moosk or whatever. I think his name was Del. Del. Del- Delma Moosk? Delma Moosk. Delma And then they brought down the thing, clearly like a SpaceX thing. Oh, yeah, his car. His car was in space! How yeah. did I not make that connection? It was clearly an Elon Musk thing. Oh, by the way, the uh, cars are keys. The cars are the keys. Insane. Who cares? Insane. Who? I also want to know. Look, I do like Sashi Dar in this episode. He's really great. But all he saw was a laser. Oh no, the cameras. I guess he saw the cameras for what? How did he know it was the Toretto gang in his house? He saw a laser blast in the sky on the ceiling, and then he was like, "Oh, guy, Rusty." I think they make it pretty clear that they failed to get one of the cameras. Oh, okay. So he sees Tony. I guess uh, that slipped past me I think when Tony when goes back for warm. the bird or whatever. No, that was a different... Oh. when His t- crew went into the... Yeah. Tony was saving a bird. I think when Tony was saving a bird, they showed a camera that presumably caught him in some other room. Okay, not, not Tony, his crew. Okay, his crew... Oh, you're right, because Tony. Tony was, was never Tony in his house. Tony was at the race. <laughs> Tony. Tony was getting a bird. Yeah, Tony was. Tony was getting a bird. He was getting a bird. Lord. One thing about the Toronto oh my family, God. Jesus Christ! That they, you never it's leave like a bird behind. You're not behind. paying attention. <laughs> you, never, you never leave a bird behind. All right, and so now in the last minute that we have, I just want to wrap this up uh, as always by uh, vamping for time and introducing the concept of giving the episode a grade. And I just want to leave just enough time for me to be able to give my grade and John for not to be able to say anything further. I've got a Vant for 30 seconds, so this is going to take a while. You know what? I'm just going to say it. I think solid B plus for this episode. Oh, for this episode, you it a solid B plus? Yeah. Well, I guess I should probably uh, weigh in with my verdict on how I consider this episode to be as an episode. Well, I think if we we take into consideration the race, uh, which was a plus, the characterization of Shashidar, which is a plus, the presence of Miss Nowhere, which is a minus. Uh, oh, oh man. Man. John! My rubric, John. I I even I even like added some time for. I could add a minute. You know, I I think we should stick to the rules. Okay, well, I think we should stick to the rules. I even threw it to you. I thought you were going to be able to get there, but apparently you are not able to cross that finish line. Much like Tony Toretto will never beat Layla until he beats the race and to her heart. That sounds... Until he wins the race. Because beating has other (laughs) connotations. Honor bound to do the other thing that we have to do. We are in the midst, right over the hump of our coverage of Fast and Furious, Spy Racers: colon, Fast and Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> Fast and Furious, colon, Spy Racers. And uh, this one, we've got. This is the sixth episode of out of eight, right? Six of eight. Oh, help me bring Stein. that down into. Into uh into a into a fraction. Six over eight, three over four, Seventy five percent done. Point after we times talk about one hundred seventy five percent. After we do cover. three quarters, one might say. <laughs> of the way done. Of the of what we have remaining to watch, we have one quarter or uh <laughs> after two we over finish eight, talking about quarter. this episode that will be true. Right now we're five out of eight. Break yeah. that down, you dummy. Five out of eight. Okay, so oh, fuck, eight he's goes match. into fifty. <laughs> it goes into fifty, so it's point. Uh, what six? Something. This is, this is not. This okay. is not good. Fine. Radio six two. I'm gonna, you know, while you do six, all this, two, I'm gonna put some time on the clock, and uh, we will discuss. Oh, why does it always do this? We will discuss this episode of Fast and the Furious Spy Racers for two hours. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. This is very respectful <laughs> of my travel plans. 24 minutes and 46 seconds. Go. 0.625. Cool. Sixty-two. This 5%. episode is called The Final Key. Yes, the car's the keys, as we learned in the last episode, and in this episode, the cars remain the keys. Uh, we had a fun bit, uh, earlier where, uh, I was it, pretending as it, if I didn't watch the episode. It does not seem as though and, John has uh, watched the episode. And Henry was asking for some proof, and I deflected, and I still have not given him any proof that I've actually seen actually the episode. I'm actually kind of convinced that John did not watch this episode, uh... But that's alright. So, uh, this episode featured my least favorite joke in the series, yet Barnon. Is it the nacho joke? It is the nacho joke, yeah. so you did watch I did it. watch the episode. Yeah, so there... So, I'm sorry, is it worse than run fro-yo life? Uh, at least run fro your life I had never heard before. But the nacho cheese, nacho business, nacho property, like that... That's been done since like the fourth grade. It's a joke as old as time. It yes, time that joke existed, and then suddenly there was a big bang. Yeah, and then now here we are with Spy Kids now, or whatever it's called. One thing that that we have uh, we talk about a lot is how piss poor the comedy is in this show. It is awful. So let's let's dive into just for a second why Run Yo Life is better than it's Nacho Cheese now. Okay, I think it's because. Run Froyo Life was telegraphed by the presence of Froyo twice before in the episode. Okay. Whereas I don't think we've ever actually been introduced to this nacho cheese machine. Yep. And it seems like they did it just to make the nacho joke. Yes, exactly. They introduced something. Because they had shown us before the the, the, the splendid layout of this, this secret hideout. And they showed the Froyo machine. Yes. But they never showed a nacho dispenser. They never they never did. What is a nacho dispenser? Does it dispense the cheese or the chips? Probably both. Oh. Yeah. Wow. They also Here's a problem I have. When they had the froyo dispenser in Shashi Dar's house to go back, it was just like a whipped cream thing. Yeah. So I think the writers did want them to have, did want them to be cracking whippets, but instead they decided to, uh, <laughs> to make it froyo instead. This censor, show could yeah. have been much cooler. The, the the Netflix censor stepped in the last second and said, replace all of the whippets with froyo. Yes, they can no longer crack whippets constantly. Uh, yes, this episode sucked. I hate this show. I don't know. This isn't the worst one we've seen. It's not that bad, because at least the kids take some initiative. Rather than writing it so that the the bad guy issues an ultimatum, the bad guy has Frosty. Frosty got kidnapped the last episode. And rather than being like, hey, uh, go steal the last key for me or else your buddy gets it, Instead Tony Toretto is completely turns on his country and his government. Yes. In order to go to get his family back. True king shit. Real real Dominic Toretto king shit. Yeah. To yeah. be like, it's family before everything else. And I've had a tenuous relationship with this government thing anyway. Yeah. So I'm turning against them and ostensibly working with the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it calls up the bad guys like, "Hey, do you want me to do your job for you in exchange for the prisoner?" Yes, and it's like, you know, how can that go wrong? <laughs> uh, indeed, I would be interested to see if in the next two episodes we actually ended up seeing. Uh, sympathetic side to Shashidar related to the protagonists, wherever they actually start working together. That would be nifty. Because as we've discussed, I think that Shashidar is the, the moral backbone of this show. And we also learn what all the keys lead up to... Oh, yes. Oh. The, it's like a God's Eye, but less cool. It's God's Eye, but can actually control technology. Uh-huh. A skeleton key is what they call it. Yeah. I'm In your international thr- f- spy thriller series, should you wait? 75% of the series to introduce the Big MacGuffin. Yeah, I. it's just been keys up until this point. Now we are suddenly made aware that there's this uh, God's Eye, I mean, Skeleton Key. In, in all of the spy thrillers I've watched, it's usually within the first, let's say 25%, the first quarter of a movie, mm-hmm. where we learn, like, the bad guy's got the big weapon or is developing the big weapon, and it's up to our, our suit clad hero to go stop it. Yeah. Uh, the the stakes were never appropriately set up from the beginning, which is an issue with storytelling. Uh, as far as. This episode's kind of a blur to me. Because Same. there's the nacho cheese thing. Yeah. And then immediately after that, in my mind, they start working with Shashidar. Well, yeah, like Layla shows up and. Layla she's like, shows up with no coalition. I-, I had no idea. He was gonna steal Frosty. I have a lot of problems with Layla in this episode. There was a line where she says, I'm from... Gumneck. North Gumneck or something? I'm from Gumneck, North Cackalacka. What the hell is... What is... So it's... What the fuck? It's strange because she's saying North Carolina and... Typically speaking, if you want to say North Carolina, you're saying North Kakalaki. You do? I've never heard of North Kakalaka before. I've never heard of either of those I apparently times. looked it up and it showed up in a linguistics journal from like 2003 as North Cackalacka. Uh, What's the yes, problem with saying North Carolina? Some people just come up with different names for things. Okay, I thought they were doing this weird thing where it's like, we know it takes place in the same cinematic universe as Fast and Furious, but for some reason all the state <laughs> names are wrong? No, it, uh, she was just saying North Carolina weird. Uh, but they fought, I don't know. Oh, I didn't care about that. Yeah. I, what I do care about is, uh... There's an Incineration Ray, Miss Nowhere is still my least favorite part of the show because everything she says is dog shit. <laughs> I have to apologize to the show. Why? I have previously made fun of the recurring joke of Miss Nowhere having to meet her steps. They did it not once, but twice. Yes. I don't think I complained about it the second time. But in this episode, there's actually a payoff. They track her location through the step counting app she uses. Stepping it up. Which is at least a little bit clever. But <laughs> there's no way in hell that a government agent has an app on her phone that can track her location. No way. That's but like basic protocol. I will say that that revelation does lead to the single best line of the entire episode as Cisco sidles up to Echo and says something to the effect of, That's cool, but uh, privacy, man. Yeah, well, what, what happened, happened to what our happened, privacy? What happened to that? Uh, in a in a very prescient kind of depressing way, probably uh, the smartest thing Cisco has said. Yeah, Cisco is now second to Shashi Dar in his level of like uh, pre singularity cultural consciousness. It's like each of the characters have a moment where they almost wake up, yes, and then they just they're lulled back to sleep because Tony Toretto says. We gotta stick together with family. I want to make it very clear that Tony Toretto very much does not have any amount of uh, of class or cultural consciousness. Were I to rank them, I'd say Shashi Dar is up front. I want to say that, uh, surprisingly, I think of Frosty is number two. Even though he hasn't said a lot, we know Frosty's upbringing. Yeah. He has two moms. Yeah. They sell sopressata. He probably kind of, I don't know... Maybe they're a gentrifying force in his neighborhood. Maybe Frosty's bad. I feel like Frosty would have to know something. Unless he's like a willfully ignorant Elon Musk. I mean, Mulan Dusk type. Uh, Then we get Cisco Because now, clearly, he understands the nature of the the post-privacy era. Then I think we've got Echo. And then Tony. Yeah, Tony only knows I one. I feel like Echo doesn't care. Echo doesn't... Echo barely exists. I feel like Echo's a nihilist, whereas Tony is willfully ignorant. No, nah, okay. <laughs> Echo doesn't exist in the show. Yeah, Echo, She barely does anything. Uh, she does one thing in this episode, and it's take her hat off. Yeah, they don't do a lot of cool stuff with Echo, except this episode did have the coolest Echo thing happen in it. Or tricking that guard. Where are we at time? Because I want to talk about something I liked about this episode. Oh, we've got time. Tons of time. Uh, so since we're kind of all over the place, uh, I did. I don't like this show. But <laughs> I do feel like the, uh, the kind of action-y thing at the end was actually kind of cool. I give them points. I felt kind of excited watching it, like, when they're actually driving around the key cars and you get to see how tremendously good they are. At driving. Yeah, and uh, they put on music that's bad. I don't like the music. Uh, But there's some cool, like, little cinema... cinematographic touches. Cinematic touches is what I'm thinking of. Uh, when Echo's driving the car around, some pretty neat use of, uh, of slow-mo. She does some Gymkhana stuff around some boxes, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, once again, car props. And, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of like that part. And then when the, uh, the giant carrier ship is revealed and it's, like, emerging from the carrier to the song, thought that was really cool. So, the very end of this episode had a lot of cool, action-y stuff, which I feel like we want to say about almost every episode. Yeah. Every episode has a little bit of redemption at the end where it has a cool, action-y thing that happens. It's a, it's a proven formula. And, and I give them props for a realistic runway size. Yes, that runway did end. It did end. Yes, and that ship was very slow. This is the shortest runway in the Fast (laughs) and Furious universe. It really is. And uh, I mean, I guess the key car is so fast, it could go back, uh, come to a complete stop, have a whole conversation with Layla to get her on the car. Then she has to climb the car. And all of that happens before the plane can catch up or the other cars can catch up with the plane. Then he catches not up only with the cars, but passes them and boards the plane at the last second. That is one hell of a car. And I do not want to see Tony driving anything else for the rest of the show. I mean, I think you mean one hell of a key. Oh, because the cars are keys and the keys are cars. The keys are cars. Uh, Now, once again, when Layla is uh, tased by the taser stick by Miss Nowhere, we once again prove the age old rule about Toretto's. They always go back, go back for, for the, the bird. bird. I, I said the same thing. Yeah, they always go back for the bird. So he went back for Layla. Oh, no. It's not her him. computer has a virus. Oh, um, coronavirus. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. <sighs> it was cool and action-y at the end, but what did it really mean? Uh, they got Frosty back? Yeah. Oh, no, they didn't yet, No. Actually. At the end, doesn't she say, like, uh... Give me my jet. Give me my jet and then... She doesn't say give me my shit. Give me my shit. Uh, Okay, well, I was going to say something, but it turns out... Wait. Hold on. Yeah, reality has proven me wrong and I was going to criticize the show, but I won't. He's behind the plane, right? And it's showing his little speedometer thing Mm -hmm. and he's like 170 when he finally goes into it. Apparently that's actually how fast planes have to take off at. Oh, that's so. pretty good. Yeah. So he matches the plane's speed. Yeah, he matches the plane's speed. And Which the, means he wouldn't catch up. He have to go faster. Yeah, that's why it goes like over then. Oh, they, okay. They go between 143 to 177 miles per hour to take off. I do have to reveal that I was cooking dinner while watching because, uh, well, time. Yes. And I I did miss large chunks of the episode. And I don't feel any worse off from having missed them. It's not a great episode. I... I don't even know what to say about it. They had little laser drones. Who controlled them? No, Frosty. (laughs) This is going to be the... (laughs) The big twist? The big twist is that Frosty controlled those little drones and was trying to kill them. My whole thing about this whole series existing in the same cinematic universe as Fast and Furious is that the the Fast and Familia uses none of this stuff. We've seen very little evidence that this drone technology could exist in the same world. Like, we've seen cybernetic stuff. Like, we saw whatever the hell... uh, I forget his name, but the bad guy in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh Uh-huh. We we saw what the hell he was going through, and that seemed, like, semi-futuristic. What was his name, like... Uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris... Uh, Id, evil Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like what he had going on was... Was Peanuts compared to what we're seeing in Spy series, Oh, yeah. Which begs the question. Wait... When, when does this uh, take place? Now that we are talking about the Fast Furious timeline, because as we stated, there is a movie with one Han Lu in it that we missed, so we will be going back in time. Is it possible... That in watching Spy Racers, we are watching the far future of the Fast and Familia. All we know, the only connections to the Familia at large, or the the, the FICU at large, is that Don Toretto looks pretty ripped. Yeah. And that's all we have to go on. There's no mention of any other character or any other events. They're not trying to place it because I really feel like it. and Here's the kicker. This takes place in 2004. Oh, no. The same year as Tokyo <laughs> Drift. Wait, no, Tokyo Drift doesn't take place in 2004. It what? takes place in the future. Wait, yeah, the no. future of like 2004. Oh, you're right. Yeah. There we go. Or whenever it was. Yeah, there's no years. But we know for certain that the version of Dominic Toretto we're seeing, this doesn't. I don't even know why I feel the need to say this, because this is as evident to you and me as it is to the listeners. But the version of Dominic Toretto we are seeing is obviously not the biologically original Dominic Toretto. Oh, it's a (gasps) clone? It can't be. Oh, no. So we're so far into the future that Dominic Toretto has been cloned for future heists and stuff. So there's, uh, you know, the Spartan program from Mm. Halo? Or just stormtroopers, I guess. It turns out Dominic Toretto is the first. <laughs> the first, what Spartan one? He, he's Spartan one. Now, here's what I truly believe. I think that the title of Dominic Toretto is much like a Dread Pirate Roberts thing. In that. Whenever Dominic Toretto dies, someone else becomes Dominic Toretto. And I don't mean they take up the mantle. They I mean, they, yeah. they transform werewolf style into Dominic Toretto. And perhaps one of the best uh, Vin Diesel vehicles ever to come across a silver screen, uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. There is yes. a, a people with a custom, and that custom goes, you keep what you kill. Yes. Whoever kills... Vin Diesel. <laughs> Gets to keep Vin Diesel. By literally becoming him. Yeah. It's like the quickening from Highlander. Yes. They're yeah. struck by a bolt of Nos, and then they turn into Dominic Toretto. Yep, yeah. Pure, unfiltered Nos enters their veins, and they lose all their hair. Yes. They gain all their muscles. So, wait... So the the nos hits them, and you see the nos run through yeah. the pipes of their body. Yes, yes, and then their pupils get huge. Their pupils get huge. Their hair falls, falls out. <laughs> a silver necklace of a cross yes. emanates from their neck. Their muscles enlarge. Yeah, a a white wife beater emerges from their skin, kind of like kind of like a um an agent from the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, Dominic Toretto's here to keep us <laughs> keep us asleep. Listen, there's always a Dominic and there's always a Tony. <laughs> oh, I don't know what else to say other than I am I'm happy we are getting closer to the end of this this nonsense. Yes, and then we have season two to look forward to. What? It's been renewed for four more seasons. <laughs> oh no, no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I don't actually know any word about it being renewed. I did hear uh, an announcement, though, of a spinoff series called Little Hobbs and Little Shaw. <laughs> uh, I would absolutely watch Hobbs and Shaw Babies. <laughs> I would watch that in a heartbeat. It would be fun. Maybe I should start moving the timer back down. No, you committed to the bit. There is no indication that there is going to be a second season. We're the only people watching it. Yeah, we might be. Uh, That almost makes me feel bad because every week we come on here and we we trash their art. But, you know, Uh. they know they're cashing a check. Well, no. The animators are doing a hell of a job. Yeah. So that art is good. Yeah. The writers need to step up all of their games. The writers. Here's the thing, writers. Sometimes you're killing it. That Shashi Dar dialogue. Yeah. That Cisco joke. Yeah. Really good. Some of the most prescient stuff I can imagine seeing in a kid's cartoon. Take the bridle. Bridle. Brittle? Brittle. Take the muzzle off. Okay, well now we're not talking about horses anymore. Oh. Take the horse mask off. It's a... Brittle. And let yourself be free. Take the blinders off. Oh, bite not. your jockeys. Now we're talking like in the bedroom. And let yourself be free. Uh, <laughs> we also have never dispurged the actors or the performances. We, we've never uh, lambasted or made fun of them because I feel like they're doing the best with what they have. Yeah, they're doing a fine job. The only thing we consistently don't like, and, and we don't hate it 100% of the time, but it's the writing. The writing is the weakest part of the show. Which is a shame because there's so much of it. I could see a universe where this show is genuinely good. It exists. Because there are moments of every episode that I very much enjoy and I'm not a very happy person. Yeah, it's just like, don't write for kids. Write a show, you know, in a certain way that could be for kids But don't put in these weird moments of, like, the nacho cheese, because adults wouldn't talk to kids that way. And kids wouldn't necessarily find that funny. I feel like the most successful kids shows... I'm going to be one of these 30-year-olds that's like, where's Animaniacs? Animaniacs was great. I feel like the most successful kids television shows are the shows that are not made for kids. They're just made, and they appeal to kids by their nature. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Rogers, or Philip Rogers... Fred Rogers had this whole thing about, like, you just treat kids like people. Yeah. Because they are. Because they are people. So don't make your art dumb for them. Make your art aimed at them, but not, like, dumbing it down. Keep these prescient moments. Because, you know, they're going to repeat them to their parents, and then they can have a whole conversation there. It's not just like, the guy said "Not Joe cheesy. Man, if, uh, if I had a kid... <laughs> I'm going to go real Kevin Hart here. If I had a kid that said run for you... I'm kidding. Oh. No, no. If I have a kid, uh, they're allowed to watch Gravity Falls and nothing else. Let's talk about what we'd allow our children to do. Me, exist. Uh, (laughs) I'd allow my children to exist. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Me, I would allow them to work in sweatshops to bring home a paycheck to help pay for food on the table. Yeah. Because... That will be necessary. I want to get one thing straight... When I have kids, I am not working anymore. Right, my body is going to be destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. It is making those kids. You, it's you, the kids have got a... It's a tale as old as time. The kids earned the money. Yeah, daddy like treats. <laughs> there, there, oh, there's a really sad part of uh, some Asian cultures where there is an expectation for. When a child like gets out of school and gets a job that they send part of their paycheck home to help take care of the the, the parents and it's like 100 percent fuck that what have I gotta do to make that happen for me guilt your kids I just bring want, the, bring them up Catholic I want passive income. <laughs> Uh, passive income... How come there's never these passive income articles where it's like, (laughs) a passive income, have children, and then wait 18 years, and then have them work? Uh, because a lot of people would see that as being unfair. To who? The kid. How's it unfair? Without me, they wouldn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) You can't blackmail or extort a person. Now, a lot of parents, (laughs) they take the tack of being like, well, we paid so much money for they you, do. and and we raised we, we you, raised fed you, we clothed you, and, we, we, you, and you. we sacrificed so many years. No, I would be a super villain about it. I'd be like, "I made you, and I can destroy you. Without me, you are nothing." Give me money. Uh, so, growing up, I used to fight with my parents a lot because I went through this whole anti-authoritarian, rebellious phase that I'm still going through because that's just. Who I am. Yeah. Uh, but they, they used those lines on me like, we cared for you and fed you and clothed you and sheltered you for 18 years. And my response and true like anti-authoritarian, like rebellious nature was like, I never asked to be born. Yeah. I mean, it and was. And that just, I mean, they had nothing to say to that. And later I had to go to apologize and say, thank for, thanks for boring <laughs> me. <laughs> but I mean, you know, they, uh, it was their choice. I feel like we've gotten pretty far afield of Spy Racers. Okay, so you know, we've got we've got some time left. Oh, okay. And so I feel like we should give a rating to this episode, as we've done with uh, some of the episodes in the past. Uh, so I'm just gonna go ahead and give my rating. Now this episode a lot of bad jokes, didn't like the writing, action sequences were cool, realistic runway, a lot of misses Nowhere, which was dumb, and a lot of like Mrs. Nowhere winning over other, like, adult authority figures. So no one can really, like, put her in her place. I really want Kurt Russell to show up and just be like, Stand down, Mrs. Nowhere. In his Kurt Russell voice. That didn't happen. So this gets a D for... They didn't put Kurt Russell in. That's pretty good. Uh, So I think I have a lot of... A lot of different critiques. Number one, Mrs. Nowhere. Is it Miss Nowhere or Mrs. Nowhere? Oh, you said a, a lot of Mrs. Nowhere. Ms. Miss. Older ladies are old. Oh, I wasn't able to give it a rating this time. Dang oh. it. And you also won't hear my weird theories about <laughs> when to call a woman Miss or Mrs. I think, Darn it. I think the... Let me tell you the, my theory. Never. <laughs> <laughs> never call Mrs. Mrs.? I think you say Mrs. if you're, like, a traveling vacuum salesman in the 50s and you see a ring. I think you can say misses maybe if you know for a fact that they're married. I always thought that was going to be a bigger deal growing up. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a kid, it was always like, you know, you got to call a Mr. and Misses, please and thank you and all that. And, like, I held the please and thank you. But now I just call people their names. Yeah, and they prefer it. Yeah. Jesus Christ, let's get to the heart of each episode of Zero Credits. We've been stalling. I, I will admit that because I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> this is the complete opposite experience as when we what we had with the actual Fast and Furious universe. We have to talk about episode 7 of Spy Racers, which I believe was called Who Gives a Fuck. Uh, that seems about right. <laughs> How long do we have to talk about this one, Henry? Uh, I've already set a timer for 24 minutes and 48 seconds. Hold on, somebody liked the tweet. Oh, somebody liked... Okay, doesn't matter. Timer starts now. 28 uh, minutes. 24 minutes. 24 minutes, four, minutes four, episode four. 7. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, Henry and I were talking about the Pixar, the Disney Pixar movie, Onward. Yes, earlier. it was very good. And uh, something we didn't get into, no spoilers for Onward, uh, but I feel like Onward has a very intelligently made script where it doesn't waste, yeah, it doesn't waste anything from the script but also never waste a joke. No throwaway jokes. All of the jokes are building towards something and onward. Yeah, they all have an initial heart, but they also mean something greater in the story. And I feel like I had a very specific feeling while I was watching Onward. The first feeling: Why is that elf mom so hot? Hmm. The second feeling that I had is: I'm really high on cough medicine uh, and I'm falling asleep. However, I, two brain cells connected, and I thought to myself, the reason why I'm liking this and hating Fast and Furious Spy Racers, you know, two otherwise equivalent products. Yeah, of course. Is because Fast and Furious Spy Racers is insulting to its audience. Yes. And I'm not its audience. Yes. Its audience is children. Yes. And I'm mad for them. Exactly, yes. Because if we're talking about the way that Onward, intelligently... I'd say it's like an 80% movie. I would say that. Uh, The way that it really intelligently uses jokes and it doesn't waste any of them is the total opposite of everything Fast and Furious Spy Racers does because every joke means nothing. They're just thrown away into the abyss, sticking to nothing. They are uncooked pasta. They need to go back in the pot to be firmed up, softened up, (laughs) Whatever happens, the pasta. And, and then, then they can be part of the spaghetti. So, like, at the end of episode six... Get me my jet. Miss Nowhere says, get me my jet. Which sets up the expectation, in my mind, that we're going to see, like, a climactic showdown yeah. between Miss Nowhere and... And uh, the Spy Racers, yeah, which it, which is like rending their relationship asunder, and I thought it was going to be very dramatic, mm-hmm. and it was just a series of shitty jokes that went absolutely nowhere. <sighs> yeah, no pun intended. And what you th- uh-huh. and what you think is like a climactic moment or like a schism between the factions, suddenly Miss Nowhere, who is gliding to her no nowhere, yeah, pun intended. Uh, She says, save the kids. Yeah, she tells Gary to save the kids. Even though though they're enemies of the state at that point. Yeah. So that's fine. Uh, Once again, this goes to show us all good children's cartoons have that the real enemy is the state. (laughs) Because anytime the army is involved, they are the villain when it comes to children's TV shows. Because that is what they are in real life. Uh, <laughs> there's so many moments in the beginning of this episode that I'm just like, can we please skip to the point? Like, yeah, Frosty playing around with the plane and like, oh, the, there's danger and Layla saves Tom. <laughs> there's just there's <laughs> no, no danger, but it's like, and then she's like, oh, uh, don't don't tell anybody. I got a reputation to uphold, and it's like, none of this shit matters. It doesn't. I don't it, care. it doesn't. It bounces off of me like rain off a duck's ass. And then like, oh, so Cisco finds like a jar of cookies and eats each, each one of them in front of the camera. Wait, this is the joke that I want to break down. Yeah? The joke is, Frosty is remote, and he is controlling the plane. Yes. Uh, because like any good dr- drone operator, he is controlling it with an Xbox controller from the uh, safety of a bunker while he bombs a wedding. Yep. Uh, but the joke is, Frosty is remote, Cisco is on the plane, the plane's very cool, and Frosty is upset that he can't be on the plane. Yes. This joke is made Laboriously. And then the culmination of the joke is that Cisco finds a delicious jar of cookies. You know, standard to any spy plane. And eats them and keeps talking about how good they are. Right? Right. And then he says, oh no, I ate them all. And then a thing opens up and there's more cookies. I'd another cookies. jar of cookies. And this is, it's it's not reinforcing a joke. It's taking a, a joke that is a knife <laughs> and sticking between your ribs and just turning it and turning it and turning it. And they belabor this point so many times that the eventual... payoff, The eventual punchline is an extreme close-up of Frosty's mm-hmm. face as he says, Vomit, Comet, grrr. and like, Yeah. Makes the plane go all the way down or whatever. And means nothing. My thing, like, to make that better... Kasashi Dar is like, hey, hey, my car is on that plane. Frosty needs to turn to him and say, well, give me some cookies and I'll save your goddamn plane. Yeah. Like, anything. I, I don't know. Just another layer to it. Yeah, just anything. Oh my god. And then Miss Nowhere becomes a jet. Miss Nowhere becomes a jet. And I thought, okay, cool. They're going to have to actually, like, face off. No. No, just they just her shake her off. They just the shake plane. her off like she's nothing. Yeah. Which, once again, Uh, same complaint that I had for the last Star Wars movie is if they had just killed Miss Nowhere and given it emotional weight actual stakes yeah if they had actually killed Miss Nowhere great but that's not gonna happen believe me the deaths in this episode happen later the the thing is (laughs) like she has a parachute right no confirmation Yeah. And then they shake her off and like, oh, she actually did have a parachute, but they didn't know that. They thought they killed her. But then, uh, here's another example of what's wrong with this show. Miss Nowhere Lands is apprehended by General Dudley or whatever. Who looks like that guy from every 80s action movie who happens to work for the military. Yes. You know the guy in the Avatar movie that blows up the tree? Yeah, he's a real Clancy Brown type. Is that his name? Uh, He's one of. Uh, But then... We get this very extended physical joke where Gary is very uh, physically... Turns out has a Ga- great amount of physical prowess yeah, in combat. T- turns out Gary's a badass, which we all knew already. Yeah. Because, like, that's how he's been built. You know, b- he's being built up as, like, the schmuck or, like, the, the butt of all of Miss Nowhere's jokes. But then, like, when push comes to shove, he can really shine in a fight. And then... She gives up. She just says, stand down, and then it's like, oh, so the thing that was gonna... We were afraid of happening just happens, and this meant nothing. Yeah, she just... Great. She, yeah, she just turned herself in, because, like, well, I guess, why the fuck not? Yeah. Uh, disgustingly inept storytelling. <sighs> then what happens? Oh, my God. The cars are keys. Uh, <laughs> for the 80th <aim clears throat> time in this series, they have to belabor the point that the car... John, the cars. I, the cars, John. John... Yes. What about the cars? They're fucking keys. Jesus Christ! Jesus God! Oh now here's God. here's my thing. Cars are keys. Uh, and we're gonna come back to this. The cars. The. They're fucking keys. I will say oh when when God. the cars create a pentagram. Okay, no, I did actually start and, yeah. spinning. Oh, yeah. I, okay, so remember our plans. Remember our plans for the series? Yes. And nine, they go to space. Mm -hmm. And ten, they do Highway to Hell. I now know how that sequence is going to begin. Because when their headlines form a perfect star and a circle, I said out loud, car summoning circle, car summoning (laughs) circle. But it went down... Yeah. Into the earth, into a weird place full of redness, smoke, and gears, much like hell. Yeah, gears. But I will say, we can get into the gears, but I actually thought it was kind of cool when Shashi Dar said, the cars are the keys, and this is what they unlock. Yeah. A tomb. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny. And cool. That was, I mean... Sure. We get into this later, but once again, the most uh, disappointing thing about this show is the show is very capable of doing things that are cool and dynamic. The problem is they are all done by Shashi Yeah. He has really cool lines. They descend into a weird gear hell. He steals the skeleton key, which is a crazy psycho mantis mask. Yep. Ugh. He turns into a magneto. Oh, I did want to say. Uh, Gary... Not important enough. We're going to run out of time. But Gary uh, blows up a missile by, like, activating... He says, deploy chaff. Yeah. And then chaff goes, uh, chaff scrambles radar. Chaff doesn't make missiles blow up. I feel like it, they he deployed enough of them so the missiles hit them. But chaff is just little particles of, like, aluminum. Oh, no, but these... I mean, they were, like, little gumballs because it's a spy oh, plane oh yeah it's a spy plane i don't know i guess so i don't know i i get weirdly upset about people using chaff and flares he, he said the wrong word i guess yeah yeah he, sh- he should have said deploying gumballs <laughs> deploying gumballs uh every look there are three standard sky s- uh, spy gadgets to every d- vehicle gum grappling <laughs> hook rockets yes Uh, they go into hell, they steal the mask. He becomes Magneto after, he becomes Magneto after the worst fight in history. It's, it made me sick. It made me think, okay, so yeah, they do have like a physical altercation. Uh, all of the members square off or whatever. Echo. Is Echo there? The, yeah. Echo didn't Echo do anything. Echo launches whole. like little grappling hooks at a lady, Whatever. I think, once. Uh, but let's not undersell the fact that Shashidar had an incredible monologue oh, yeah, 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 before yeah, yeah, yeah. that fight where he talks about his parents, when they came to America, were genius scientists who used the brains of the five richest men on earth. To create the skeleton, to create key. the skeleton key. However, all of them recognizing that the skeleton key was a weapon too dangerous, they created cars for each of them, knowing that they could never collaborate. Yeah. To unlock the skeleton key and kill the only people with the power to go above them, which was Shashidar's parents. Yeah. And now you know why he hates billionaires and why he's going to use the skeleton key to kill billionaires. Yeah, pretty good motivation. And, like, his even his, his plea to Tony Toretto, he was like... Let's take what they have and give it to everyone. Which is like, yeah. fuck yeah, eat the rich. Yeah, he's... He's doing, he's doing the thing that we all keep saying on Twitter. He specifically says, let's tear the disease system down and give it back to the people. Exactly. Let's... Let's... Let's spread the coronavirus. <laughs> let's spread the coronavirus. We'll get onto that later. Uh, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, and then it becomes Magneto. Then it becomes Magneto. Hey, look, okay, here's the here's the thing. The military shows up as this elevator is coming up. And the military has brought cars, helicopters, fucking tanks, which are just used for, like, blowing up buildings and not... Usually not used for shooting people. Yeah. They bring all these things with all these computers in them. But because it's a kid's show, no one just brings a gun? Yeah. There, there's not, like... A sniper? I feel like there would be one sniper. But here's my problem. They bring all of this to Shashidar, knowing full well what the skeleton key does. Mm-hmm. Because they clearly understand what it's capable of. And then he proceeds to destroy them all. Even... even and though, kill multiple people. Yeah, even, like, the police in X3, the last stand, they had plastic guns because yes. they knew mag- what Magneto's powers were. Like... They knew the capabilities of the person. I guess they thought control all technology was a joke. Uh, clearly not. I did think it was very cool when I saw all those drones. I was like, man, if Shashi Dar gets to whip those things around like a like a swarm of locusts, this is gonna be the coolest thing to happen, and it happened. Yeah, he did for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They brought a ton of drones. But not one guy with, like, a gun? Not one it could even with... be rubber bullets if you're worried about it's shooting a not kid. Not even a computer in the gun. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, man, the military, they're completely helpless. It's, it's like, no, just one guy with a service rifle. Yeah. You could put rubber bullets in it if you're worried about shooting a kid. Or just, like, destroy the helmet or whatever. Yeah. Like, just shoot and with a gun. But also they had, like... Humvees. Yeah. I don't think Humvees are driven by computers. I don't know. This is clearly in the future. Maybe we shouldn't care about it too much. Uh, All I want to say, Shashidar Magneto, coolest thing about this show. He can control technology, right? So Mm -hmm. why does he use it to just kill the literal, like he just, he's like, oh, a helicopter. I could use this to shoot people. Nah, just going to crash into the ground. I, I do believe that Shashidar did kill people. Yeah, he is murdered. Because the yeah, first, the, much like this show does, it wants to show you it cares about people getting out of things before they explode. Yeah. So the first helicopter does that. But none of the subsequent helicopters have people no. escaping from them. And, and, like, they explode. Even if you jump from a helicopter right before it. And they're just dropping out of the sky, mind. <clears throat> they're not like, it's not like a helicopter, you know. He's, like, stopping the propellers and, like, just... Throwing yeah. it into the ground. Yep. <sighs> Coolest part of the episode. I I like Shashidar. I like uh, anarchist super villain Shashidar.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, there was one of two things that could happen with Shashidar. He could either join the heroes or he could become way more evil. He became way more evil. Pretty happy that he became way more evil. And actually his cause is very just. I don't... I, you know, it, it's from a philosophical conversation, no one person should have all that power. Yeah. But let's examine the skeleton key. You have to have, like, visual eyes on the technology you're controlling. So pretty limited. Pretty limited. And it seems kind of rudimentary. Like, he can turn them off and slam them down. He can make the drones go where he wants to go. I don't know, like, what is the extent of the control? Can he, like, get into people's phones and find out their personal information? Can he, like, get into people's bank accounts? I mean, he's clearly not as, uh, as, his capabilities are not as terrifying as that of Cypher from Fate of the Furious. Right. Who could turn an entire city or country worth of cars into insanity missiles. Yes. That, oh, was, that was so cool. That was awesome. That was so cool. She's, Those it, movies are so good. And she didn't imagine her with Skeleton Key. She would probably like put it on for one second and be like, Wait, I can just do this with a laptop but, and like throw it away. But don't forget, Henry. With Skeleton Key, he's going to go to Las Vegas and for oh, some reason, yeah. somehow, plug Skeleton Key into the power grid of Las Vegas to control the world because I guess the power grid in Las Vegas is somehow special in that regard. Also, a power grid is just a bunch of electricity apportioned to utilities. Yeah. I feel like uh, they... Shashidar's got the thing. And he's got an extension cord. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, don't let him plug it into that wall outlet. He'll control the world. Oh, yeah. What is it, what is it powered by? battery. (laughs) He's like, oh, hold on a a second, like, pops out some, like, D batteries and puts D-bed. I don't know. Skeleton key, dude. Um, I feel like you should, like, go to Hoover Dam. (laughs) If you were, if all you're after is, like, electricity. Yeah. Don't go to where it's spent. Go to where it's generated. What was the name of, uh, of the guy who he said he's going after? Like, Klein, Kegels, uh, Lenore. Did he say he killed his parents? No, the guy who killed his parents. Have we met that guy? We have not met that guy. Okay. Yeah, because Tony Toretto, using his detective skills... Yes. uh, Puts it together like, wait, you only robbed four people, which was weird, because he had five cars. (laughs) I think two of them were together, right? I don't remember. Two of them were together. Two... uh, Nah, military base? Military base, maybe? I don't remember. Just get... Get that rich person dead. Get that rich person dead. One of the cars Deximity got blown up. Well. One of the keys was blown up. Well, they're not important anymore. Yeah, no. Uh, but I did. It's very important that the characters get to pedally fight over whose car that uh, whose car that was. I don't care for the heroes at all. Gary, of course, is the best. Yes. And Sashi Dar. If this show ends with Gary and Sashi Dar riding into <laughs> the sunset. I feel like it will have been worth it. The only characters I care about are Buttered Popcorn guy. Oh, he's Shash- gone. Shashidar, the Owl and Gary. Remember when I thought there was going to be like a whole third faction of Popcorn guy and like there yeah. were going to be recurring characters like Bone and Skull or Yeah. or Jesse and James from a uh, Pokemon And it turned out that none of that was true, and the show was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Do you want to go on record as Bulk and Skull? Bulk and Skull? Not uh, Not Bone and Skull? It is not Bone and Skull. Uh, As long as we're talking about Power Rangers here. Oh no, I was talking about uh, Power Rangers. I was talking about those uh, two guys from uh, Undertale... (laughs) Oh <laughs> yeah! Oh yeah! Undertale, bone and skull. Bone and they're skull. named after famous spots. <laughs> they're, they're named after famous bones. <laughs> the bone and the skull. The bone and the skull. Uh, yeah. I don't know. This show fucking sucks. We have one episode left, and then we can wash our hands of this whole godforsaken exercise in futility. I am not enjoying this. Yeah. I have not enjoyed any of this. No, there there was one episode I feel like where we thought it was turning around. I think it was episode four or five or something. I think it was episode five because it was actually neat because like Sashi Dar like flipped the script on everybody and was really cool. But then then he's still really cool. Yeah, but like now they're just turning him into like the all powerful villain who probably should succeed. Yes, absolutely. Now, we're actually visiting... How much time do we get left? we got like, like five minutes. We're, we're once again visiting Shashidar's uh, ethos, because if you look back to the episode we liked, he said everyone thinks they're so secure behind their technology, but what would you do if it was turned against you? Yeah. And now this is the extrapolation but, yeah. of that. Shashidar must have been written by somebody else. I mean, let's review... The, so these five rich guys like hired out these his parents. Correct. You took their tech, correct. stored it away, killed them, correct. And then bought the mountain they used to picnic on. That seems like an extra step of flipping you off. I do not blame Shashidar. <laughs> yes, that's like one extra, like, salt in the wound, like, fuck you, Shashidar, and the mountain that you used to visit. Yes, we have taken your public works and your parents. <laughs> this is just like in, uh, in Batman, when Batman's parents were killed. And the orphanage that he, would, the go orphanage he would go to by his... the <laughs> was bought by the Scarecrow. Was bought by the Scarecrow. It's a classic Batman. Yeah, Joe Chill took the pearls from his mom, sold them at a pawn shop, and bought Gotham Orphanage and, like, knocked it down. Man, that would be way better if if Batman was consistently, like, uh, haunted by people continuing to make his life (laughs) shitty. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just being a billionaire. Harvey Dent starts killing (coughs) Harvey Dent starts killing the mob and also takes over, like, the power plant and specifically turns turns his lights off. <laughs> Cuts off power to Wayne Manor. Perfect. <laughs> it's like, this Bruce kid. Poor, I, I don't know why, but I really want to stick it to him. Batman is like, he's... <laughs> oh, no. He's, like, brushing his teeth and then Killer Croc just, like, <laughs> pinches the line to his toilet so it backs up. God damn it! Killer Crocker breaks in, takes the toothpaste, just like looks him in the eye and just pours it down the drain and then just leaves. <laughs> Clayface breaks into Batman's home while he's gone, spreads mud all over all of the carpets and leaves. <laughs> None of, the, none, of, none of the villains in Batman have actually done anything against the city of Gotham. It's specifically actions against Bruce Wayne that greatly inconvenience him to varying degrees. <laughs> oh, Alfred's like, Bruce, there's crime in the city. He rushes to the Batcave. <laughs> the Batmobile's tires are all slashed. <laughs> Victor's ass is running away. yeah. yeah. Victor's Z- like keyed into the side of the Batmobiles as Victor Zaz <laughs> strikes again. Victor Zaz was here. Uh, this is good Batman deep lore. <laughs> this is good deep lore. Yep. Boy, it's, it's that one, you know, one off comic where they're all in the asylum, not, including Batman. Yeah. Uh, Arkham Asylum. Yeah, I know. Uh, Bellevue. <laughs> What's, uh, what's the subtitle for Arkham Asylum? I don't care about this show anymore. Uh, the comic? Or, yeah, it's oh, like know. a good house on infinite earth or something. No, know. that's <laughs> Crisis on Infinite <laughs> Earths. No, it's, it's uh, Welcome to the Jungle. I don't know. Welcome to the Jungle. How much time have we got left? <laughs> I've read, uh, tragically, fewer comics than I should have. We have a minute left. Okay, what can we talk about in a minute as far as Spy <sighs> Race? I really like that Batman talk. Yeah, Batman Talk really was a great welcome reprieve <laughs> from uh, from all the other stuff. Yeah. All right, Spy Racers. We have to rate it. We have one episode left. This is the penultimate episode. And as such, I feel like the rating should be just as penultimate. <clears throat> because that's how that works. Because penultimate just means second to last. If this episode were just Sashi Dar ranting while they were going down the elevator about all the wrongs done to him, I would give this an A. But because there was like 25 minutes of bullshit, yep. I can't. It's irredeemable. This episode, like all the episodes before it, had one good moment surrounded by just a bunch of mediocrity for the sake of it just being a kid's show with a bunch of throwaway jokes that build to nothing. And because of that, I have no choice but to give it like a, a D, you know? Okay, yeah, that's pretty low. I also felt pretty wrong by this episode. I think I might be a little bit more charitable than you. I'll keep it shorter this time. I really think I'm going to give it something like, oh, god damn it. Wow. Every time. Every time. I'm sorry, John, but according to the rules that we set forth, uh, during the board meeting where we pitched this project if it's the timer is not running we can no longer talk about spy racers and uh i for one say thank god yeah thank fuck yeah i thank fuck it's an ancient word for god i don't know if that's true into what we've been building up for months. Well, actually, more accurately, do you train that really quick? I'm not doing great. Alright, well, we've been building up to this for for seven weeks. Uh Uh-huh. The end of Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers. I'm setting the timer for an even 25 minutes. Okay. And it starts thusly. This episode whose title I believe is The Key to mm-hmm. the Strip. Is it? Yep. So we're introduced finally to Cleve Kelso. Yeah, a character who I feel so we've we've teased Cleve before as being this like enigmatic Billionaire who killed Shashidar's parents. Yeah. Uh, and is like the, the head of the billionaire cast that Shashidar wants to destroy. The and most like evil. The most evil character. And I feel like this character, much like everything else in this show from a writing perspective, is just gonna kind of have a wet fart. Because yeah. he's not he's not Referential to anything in the real world. Maybe like a a uh, mid-90s, like Texas oil man. You didn't catch thing? it? What? His name's Cleve Kelso, right? Yeah. Obviously, he's Calvin Klein. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Nailed it. That was the one joke I wrote while watching <laughs> it. Uh I I really think that they missed a great opportunity. Even though I will say. Uh, as far as good things for this show, Cleve Kelso did have a couple funny lines. It was like 50% genuinely funny, 50% very, very, very unfunny. Yeah. Okay, so this episode does something that no one, none of the other episodes have done, and that is, uh, bend the laws of time and space. Yes. Because the episode starts with Cleve Kelso on a conference call with all the other billionaires talking about his car is safe. Yes. Because he asked a good friend to watch over it. Because that friend would eat a glass sandwich before he betrayed him. And then that call ends and his friend immediately calls him to say that the car has been stolen at the same time that Sashidar is riding up on his tank army yes. to take over Vegas. Like... Yes. So that friend waited hours <laughs> to call and report the car have yes. having been stolen. Yeah. Hey, listen, he'd rather eat a glass sandwich than betray him. So obviously this weighed on him for a while. Maybe he had... This is what took so long. He actually ate the glass sandwich, cut his mouth to shreds, and then had to, like, ping, like muscle through, hey, boss. Yeah. He, he. I mean, he's contractually bound to eat that glass sandwich. Now I want to... I'm a layman when it comes to writing, cinematography. I'm a hobbyist at best. Uh, But also, just to... We're going to talk about this later. They're broadcasting a virus through Big Ben because Shashidar is using somehow the power grid in Las Vegas, which is somehow more powerful. He's using it with his seemingly entirely wireless skeleton key thing. So just being in Las Vegas, I guess, is enough to... There's also the British lady who's, like, saying, 15 minutes to world domination! Yeah, classic. And then 10 minutes to world war! And it's like... You're excited about this? Uh, Once again, by the way, just being uh, to Shashidar's character, totally justified. He's talking about redistributing wealth. Yeah. I really don't know where the show falls politically. Sometimes I feel like we're supposed to root for Shashidar. Sometimes I feel like we aren't. But philosophically, if we're given time, I might have a a greater stance on where I feel the show falls. The the weird thing about Sashi's motivations is... uh, The entire time he's taking over Vegas, he's like, where's that old man? I'm going to get revenge for my parents. But then when he confronts Calvin Klein, he says, you think this is for revenge? This is about so much more. And it's like, well, 10 minutes ago, not even 10 minutes ago, you were saying that this was for revenge for your parents. And now you're saying it's not. Yeah. He seems conflicted. He seems conflicted. I do feel like his greater message is one of destroying the class that allowed his parents to be killed. Oh, now, see, now if he had put it in those words... Yeah. Instead of literally saying it's about revenge, and saying it's so much more than revenge. Yeah. Shashi Dar was kind of mishandled this episode, this series. This is the first time where Sashi's message just got a little befuddled in the action, which is, yeah. I think is a shame. Because yeah. as a whole, I feel like he's one of the stronger parts of the series. For sure. I, I wonder about this show, though, going forward, which I don't know if it's going to get additional seasons. I hope not. Uh, but I just don't know politically really where it stands. And it, it had a lot of opportunities to really nail it. But, like I said, it didn't make Cleve Kelso a stand-in for anyone no. in, in the real world. Uh, and going back to a previous point... Uh what I want to say is in terms of cinematography and writing I'm a neophyte I don't know what I'm talking about. However, if I were to stage a climactic battle in Las Vegas, yeah, uh perhaps the the most opulent uh not the most topographically varied city, but the most like visually interesting city, it's the city of lights you have I think 120 different scale replicas of wonders around the world, of of which Big Ben is broadcasting malware wirelessly somehow, and it matters, Uh, whatever. Where would you Stupid. What I'm saying is if you're putting it in Las Vegas, obviously, if you want... The most, like... Bang for your buck. The most bang for your buck, where you need to set every single piece of action is one floor of a dark office (laughs) building. Uh, (laughs) Which was supposed to be a hotel, question mark? Yeah, it it was a hotel. But if you really want to sell Vegas, set it in an inexplicably darkened, barren floor of a hotel. With, with Which has really skinny floors. Yes, very because skinny floors. When, when uh, Tony Toretto, that's not yeah. his name. Uh, Tom, it is. Tom. It is. No, Tom, Tom is from Sonic the Hedgehog. When Tom Toretto... <laughs> okay, we need to talk about this. It is Tony definitively. All right, okay, when Tommy Toretto jumps off the Luxor Pyramid yes. into this <laughs> dark office building... He crashes through and turns and immediately hits another wall. Yes. The other side. Oh, but don't forget, uh, during the most bullshit segment where they say, well, if Dom did it, I can do it. And he tries to jump between buildings. When the car breaks through, it looks like on that entire floor of that hotel, you could fit maybe six cars. It is a very small building. Very, very skinny building. When he jumps through it and the windows break, the car clearly takes up from floor to ceiling an yeah. entire story. of the. How were they standing? <laughs> how did that desk fit in there? Oh, there's a lot of questions that I personally have. But I don't care to ask. Yeah, no. Uh, I feel like the the show really uh, mishandled its finale by not having any threat greater than Shashi Dar. Yeah. Uh, once again proving that this show has, like, at best five percent skillful writing but it really it really annoyed me that every everything of note took place in a in a dark very poorly lit floor of this hotel there were a few things that happened outside you had of course uh what's her name echo echo actually did something this episode she 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 rode a drone. And oh, then yeah. broke its back and said, yeah. "Sorry, little guy," which was pretty cool. Did like a fucking, you know? I was wondering what would break first, <laughs> your laser or your body. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was, sad. it was really cool. That was uh, one of the coolest things in this show. Echo did. Echo, yeah, Echo. One moment in the entire, yeah. show. but she also like punched somebody and did another one liner. I was like, she you're, did. You're so much better than that yeah. Echo. Yeah, she did punch someone and do a one liner. And it was this, like Cisco. I think did nothing. Oh, here's another problem. Oh, Cisco I have with smashed the, the keyboard. So what they ah, okay, this is going to be a big negative from a storytelling perspective that goes into a positive, Uh, in that. They said, Shashi Dar can only control things that are controlled by computers, so we're going old school, which means yeah. they can reach into, I don't know how much you know about how cars work, but they reached into their cars, somehow ripped out the computers, yeah. and threw them away, yeah, uh, and then just drove off, and they were fine, yes, and they were fine, uh, that's really not how ECUs work in cars at all. No, because you, if you, because you, it's like ripping the radio out, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, rip, you just rip out, you know, you, the, rip the... <laughs> you just rip out, you know, the computer part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, like, if they actually did that with the car, number one, it wouldn't start. But also, if it started, how would it have, like, throttle control or temperature control? How would they have any readouts or be able to do any of this, like, technological stuff? They did kind of do something cool where they said, I wish I hadn't ripped out that electrical jet igniter. And then, like, use the sparks from Use the, the sparks to light it, which was cool. That was pretty neat. Uh, but the the system that lights that wouldn't necessarily... It's fine. Uh, it's very dumb. You could say there's some inconsistencies in this yeah, episode. Serious inconsistencies. That's something that I find very silly in a lot of media. They're like, oh, just eliminate the computer part. I'm like... Well, if something... <laughs> if it was that easy. Yeah. If you have a car that for the most part, for most of its readouts and functions, focuses on the like OBD2 system and actually uses the computer for most of its functions, your car is just not going to start. Yeah. What they should have done if they had more time, and were actually a Fast and Furious thing, is they'd say, we're going old school, and they'd roll up... A uh, garage yeah. it would be... Here's, here's Build a, a muscle car from scratch without a computer anymore. Let me step into the writer's shoes. Okay. Assuming they had time to do this, or if they knew this was going to be a moment, they would bring them back in time. They would, they would bring them to this point, obviously. I say back in time for a reason. They would say, we're going to go old school, and they roll up a garage... And it would be a 3D rendering of all of the Fast and Furious cars from the past. Nice, You know, you, like Dom's 10 second you, car. You would have Dom's 10 second car. You would have Ryan. <laughs> what's, <laughs> chari- what's Paul Walker's character's Brian. name? Brian. You would have uh, Brian's Supra. Yeah. You would have Ludacris's whatever the hell he had in Too Fast, Too Furious. And then it would be this yeah. glorious celebration of the films. That would have been good. Yeah. But they didn't do that. They just ripped out the computers and threw them away. And, and like, it's not, it honestly wouldn't be too hard to write, because it's like, if Sashi gets the skeleton key, he can control anything with a computer in it. It's like, oh, so before he, like, before we go to the vault, now's the time we go old school. Yeah. We ride to the vault in our old cars. Yeah. So that, if, if if on the off chance that Sashi gets it, he can't do anything to us. Yeah. Or in the hours it took him to Las Ve- to get to Las Vegas... Well, they also somehow got to Vegas really quickly, too. But in the hours it took him to get to Las Vegas, they could have gone to Los Angeles, which I yeah. don't believe they were far from, and they could have gotten all these cars. Yeah. And we're clearly glossing over the fact that Vin Diesel makes an early and late game yeah. appearance in this episode. Uh, I... I I didn't know how to bring it up because, like, Miss Nowhere and Gary do nothing in this entire goddamn series. They did have a pretty good gag by calling his pet roach Papa Roach. (laughs) That was pretty neat. But Vin Diesel goes out of his way not to help his cousin, but to save Miss Nowhere... And Gary so that they can help his cousin. You know, classic, uh, classic Dominic Toretto move—going to the cops first. It's almost like Vin Diesel operates a little bit like, a, like I don't know, a famous carpenter named Jesus. <laughs> he helps those who helps themselves. Yes. He's like, I'm gonna reward my cousin for this relationship he's fostered with this Miss Nowhere chick, and uh, she's gonna be the one to save him, and I'm gonna be the one to say like. I thought I told you to stay out of trouble. Yeah. You rose to the occasion. Uh, awkward T- hug. Dominic Toretto in this show manages to sound dumber than Dominic Toretto has ever sounded. He has so many muscles just in his face. They've... They... His fa- his eyes do... Cra- yeah. none, no other character. I will say, though, the leather jacket... Looked way better than just a tank top. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. His character model looks way better. It's like this they had more time to work on it. In the Dominic Toretto fighting game, this is the one where you hit B. This is the outfit you get way better. Yeah, yeah. I will say that we now know another thing. We have to get it where we can. We now know another thing about where this takes place in the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, we do. This is after Dominic Toretto has had a stroke. <laughs> because, one, because one half of his face is lifted up into a rictus smirk with one eyebrow that never goes lower than the other one. And the other yeah. side is definitively down. <laughs> no wonder he's having the kids do the work for <laughs> Yeah. He's uh, mainly just keeping up appearances and breaking yeah. people out of jail. He had a very serious stroke. Oh, uh, no. so That's very sad. We know that this has had, this has to have happened. Uh, but otherwise, I don't know. Give me things you liked about the episode. I like that it was mainly action, because after seven episodes, we needed, like, the big action-packed climactic finish. Yeah, I I feel like they, they set out to be like, hey, we want 80% of this episode yeah, to be actual, sure. like, fighting, racing, driving, stunts, which feels like... It feels earned as far as mm-hmm. finales go. They did a little bit of setup in the beginning to make sure that you knew the plan beforehand. Because, of course, that's what they have to do as an American piece of media. Yes. But then uh, we, we got to see the plan in action and, and it all came together in the end. And I do like that this version of Las Vegas had like a Luxor hotel. Yeah. A pyramid-shaped hotel. Had like a Big Ben, which I guess is a thing. I can't remember why Uh, I was there. They did. There is a Big Ben in Las Vegas. There's multiple Big Bens, Uh, but however, they did say they did name fake hotels. What's it called? Like the pass liner? Yeah, pass yeah something. Yeah, uh, But they named that one. They said like the two deuce, and then like the sin sphere. Or yeah, something. the really weird names, They're not like, like Bellagio very, or yeah. Tuscany, or you know, very weird names. Uh, anyway, continue. Um. Okay, I want to point out something. This is not something I necessarily liked. Sashi dark control anything with a computer in it. Yes. I mean, and he says, All right, traffic, get out of my way, and then makes them crash into (laughs) each other. Yes. As they're clearing, no, you can control all traffic. You could have made it so that they perfectly got out of your way. It's like, No, I'm going to slam some cars around. I'm going to do some property damage. So, my question is we have to assume if Skeleton Key works to the extent that it does. That this takes place significantly in the future, it has to right? because it's wirelessly charge, wirelessly charge. But also the the definition of computer in this case, obviously a computer is anything that can do a computation. Yeah, but the calculators. But what this is Abacai. is it has to be a computer that is connected wirelessly to the internet. My fingers, uh, which controls basic like steering functions in automobiles,
1: also things can, like that can
0: make water mains burst. Uh, somehow. Uh, so, you know, suspension of disbelief for me is low, but that's fine. Uh, things I liked about this episode, once again, you, my two favorite things of this entire episode happened back to back, which is using the sparks to light the jet engine, which was very cool. And once again, the return of heel-toe shifting from, uh, from Tony Toretto. Let's play chicken, right? Yeah, let's... I I saw it. I saw it. I thought that was very cool. And that was a really good way, because... I, I don't think everyone is a prodigy at driving, as shown by, like, the muscle guys. Yeah. And Gal. Muscle guy and Gal. Uh-huh. uh But everyone has, like, some knowledge. Because even they, when they were crashing, like, turns to, to minimize the damage. Yeah. And then were never yeah. seen again. So I assume they died. Yeah, have have to be, have to be dead. (laughs) By the way, once again, this episode keeps up the long, fast and furious tradition of it's cool when a tank runs over cars, but do not think too much about it. (laughs) Do not think about the person in the car. Do not think about the fact that, uh, it's not Deckard Shaw, what was his brother's name? Uh, Robbie Bobby. (laughs) Robbie Bobby Shaw. Uh, whatever the, uh, the other Shah, don't think about the hundreds of people who were killed in that tank chase. Yeah. Uh, tanks are cool. They run over cars. Don't think about don't it. Don't think about it. They were all Teslas. They were all, they Tesla. Were all self-driving. <laughs> they were all self-driving. Uh, but no, sorry. You were saying something. Oh, what the fuck was I saying? Um, well, yeah, so. Oh, they assumed yes. dead. Well, that... Presumed dead. But I, I think this is just more and more evidence that the protagonist of, of Tokyo Drift had, like, a severe <laughs> yeah. disability. Yeah. Because even, even the muscle guys were like, oh, we're not going to crash head-on because that would be stupid. Yeah. We're going to, like, turn and bump our cars. Yeah. Even they were able to initiate a drift. Yeah. And he, <laughs> the dumbest of people yeah. on the planet, had to have his hand held. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Ryan Boswell? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Bobby, Robbie Boswell. It's definitely Boswell. Uh, the interesting Sean, thing, Bo- Sean Boswell. Sean That's Boswell. It. Uh, the interesting thing about his character is that uh, he has a very specific disability and that he lives his life normally, but he cannot do the one basic skill, which is control of traction in an automobile. He cannot drift. I think you just summed it up. Because everybody else in this universe lives their life one quarter mile at a time. <laughs> yes. But he lives his life normally. <laughs> yes. Uh, every single person, quarter mile at a time. He's the only person who's normal. He's the monkey wearing a sweater. Uh, I think the first scene of Tokyo Drift where we see, like, he's, that whole race through, like, the construction area against Freddie Prince Jr. or whatever... Yeah. I think that was the first time he'd ever seen a car. <laughs> clearly, he can, <laughs> clearly he can go straight fast. Straight fast. And yeah. he's like, this is all driving is. This is great. And yeah. then like, he gets to Tokyo where it's all drips. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't, I don't uh, turn. So basically, for Saved by the Bell guy, keep in mind, he did smoke him. Uh, oh, was it Zach from Save by the Bell? <laughs> he looked like him. Uh, but no I think it was actually the kid from home improvement the big kid Jonathan Taylor Thomas's older <laughs> older yeah. brother uh but clearly he goes fast straight good so when he was yeah. like building his character it's like ninety nine points and go fast straight good zero <laughs> <laughs> points and and it uh, uh but anyway I uh, thought that was cool love to see a return of toe shifting yeah and honestly it it God forbid if there are more seasons of this show this episode did show. That this whole Spy Racers thing? Let's talk about selling Spy Racers as a bill of goods. Spy Racers is like wacky racers. They use paintballs and, and fun, like, jumpy things. That barely existed in the show. Yeah, in this episode? In this entire show. You see maybe two races where they really do the spy racer shit. Yeah. And for the most part, the rest of it is pretty straight. Intrigue and, and like, skeleton keys and stuff. Yeah. so It also didn't destroy the piece of tech at the end, which I think has interesting (laughs) implications. I think it's interesting. I will say that is the third thing that I liked about this episode. Oh, okay. It kind of had a classic Fast and Furious ending where the the quote-unquote lawful good guys don't get what they want, and the scoundrels get a vacation or some money or a thing. Yeah, they took a plane to the Florida Keys, I'm guessing. Yeah. Because the thing is, is like... Where would they get swimsuits? I don't know. Did they stop at, like, a (laughs) Banana Republic? Probably. They landed on top of an H&M. Uh, but, I mean, the, the thing about the Fast and Furious is, for the most part, the scoundrels win. Yes. So, in having the scoundrels win, at least in this case, I feel like they really nailed... That's, like, the thing that's closest to the Fast and Furious universe in this whole episode. They really nailed that. Because when when it became clear that he was lying about Skeleton King, I'm like, Yes! yeah, They're about to do a scoundrel thing! And you know, also, like, I mean they're kids, so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna use the tech to like go have a vacation that's per- that's pretty cool, <laughs> really dark when they say, I bet Miss nowhere is targeting a drone strike <laughs> on us as we speak the 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 thing that gets me as a little uh questionable is uh for like for future seasons, so the kids assume that they're gonna continue the spy racers thing, uh-huh, obviously, but I thought. This was for one mission. Like I thought they brought them in because Sasha Dar had like a a, a, a crew of teen racers yeah. in this racing scene. Yeah, you're gonna tell me there's gonna be more teen villains with with teen <laughs> racing scenes there probably. What? I uh, if, it's worth noting though, uh, as for, since we like to talk about the writing quality of this show so often. Uh, there is nothing. No throwaway jokes. (laughs) No throwaway jokes. Not in this episode. Actually, yeah, you're right. It was pretty, like, to the point, nothing, like, wasted. Everything kind of building toward a thing. Like, this is what it should have been the whole time. Absolutely. Every episode should have been this. But... They also have nothing going forward for this show. Yeah, they could have... Did you watch to see if there's an after credit sequence? I didn't. I didn't that either. Keeps, and that keeps biting me in the ass lately because, like, I watched all of uh, The Outsider and then oh. I was like, oh man, finally I can go on to, like, the subreddit and read about stuff. after credit scene. And everything is about the after credit scene. I was like, oh... But yeah. then I read what the after credit scene was, and I was like, oh, that didn't add anything. really means nothing. Yeah, it's room 1408. Yeah. But also, if you understand that Duh. Holly Gibney is a character in a lot of Stephen King books, Mr. Mercedes, this really means nothing about yeah. her character. Yes. It's just a little bit of extra spooky. Yeah. The Outsider's really good if you haven't seen it. I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it, except for the end. A little after. uneven. We already talked about yeah. it. Be- every episode's like a 9 or a 10 out of a 10-point yeah. scale. Ends like a seven. Yeah. Uh, But it's hard to stick a landing. Uh, But I feel like, with the limited time left, we might want to rate this episode, nay, this series. The series, I think, as a whole. Maybe this, yeah, we'll tie the last uh, rating of the episode into the rating of a series as a whole. And I just want to say, it's been a ride. Not a particularly good ride. A seemingly long ride, because we stretched it out over two months. Yeah. And uh, I don't like rides that are long over the stretch of two months that aren't very good I think the writing really taints it overall but the action kind of lifts it up so I'm going to give it a solid D plus okay I'm an F oh wow we're out of time what a shame oh no oh man what a shame I really could have explained why I fucking hated this show some more you know what why don't you? Oh, the show? Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've talked about it enough. Okay, well, I, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, be like a good friend, extend the lifeline. Yeah. Uh, but uh, But no F. Okay. Definitely an F. Definitely hated it. So, where would you rank it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh!
0: No, no, no! We have Let's to. seriously do this. Oh, okay. Get now that we've finished another Fast and Furious franchise, uh, fuh, 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 uh, fuh, fuh, fuh. we have to rank it amongst. Oh, I don't remember what my ranking was, and I got a new phone, so oh, it won't no. happen anymore. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Well, we don't have to do it today. Maybe we should think about it for a uh, week. How so. about we give ourselves some homework? Yeah, okay. So, this is going to give us some time to think about this and... The the whole franchise as a whole. Including the one we have not seen. So, we promise you listeners oh who God. have listened to two months worth of us talking about... Fast and Furious Spy Racers, we're giving you a twofer. Not only are we going to record a supplemental reading for Better Luck Tomorrow, the canonical first appearance of Han Lu, we are also going to, in that episode, rank Fast and Furious Spy Racers in the canon of all Fast and Furious movies. Also, did we put Fast and Furious Supercharged slash Turbocharged in there? The Universal Studios ride I went on? Well, see, I haven't been on it. Oh, so, yeah, I'll wait. Okay. You know, I've heard the lines are really short (laughs) right now, so if you want to get in. Also, the lines are pretty short when I went, (laughs) to be totally honest with you. Uh, But no, only things we've both enjoyed, obviously, so this is a... I I I want to render, you know, fair judgment. Yeah. So uh, I'll just zip over to Universal Studios real quick. Yeah. And uh, hop on that ride and come right back. Uh, but no. But no, no. Better Luck Tomorrow. Better Luck Tomorrow. That supplemental reading will include our ranking of Fast and Furious colon Spy Racers. And Better Luck Tomorrow. And yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Obviously that one because yeah. it's going to be a supplemental reading for that. Yes. All right. Not saying it's going to come soon, but it might come soon. I don't know. Uh, Let me say, I've got nothing but time over the next, let's say, 11 days. Yeah, see, I don't know what my time is like because of things we discussed before the podcast. We'll, uh, We'll revisit it closer to the weekend to see what's feasible. That's a good idea. Okay. Also, I know for a fact my wife wants to watch this movie. Watch party. Watch party. We just have to make sure we have less than ten people. Less than ten people, otherwise it's a one thousand dollar fine. Really? Yeah. Man. Uh you looking forward to these checks? Isn't that a treat? Congratulations! If you've made it this far, you have now listened to all eight episodes of the mini supplemental reading series of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. We thank you for doing that. Uh, This is just a little snippet to say uh, thanks and also goodbye. Uh, But before we say goodbye, just want to say. We're going to be doing Season 2 of Fast and Furious Spy Racers. We're going to be doing Season 3 of Fast and Furious Spy Racers, but they're going to be condensed. We're going to do entire seasons in one episode. So all of Season 2 is one episode. All of Season 3 is one episode. So you'll never have to do this again. Congratulations to you. You did it. You knocked it out of the park. Great job. Uh, if you want to tell us about what you did during this 3-hour and 25-minute, 3-hour, I don't know how long this part's going to be, 3-hour and 30-minute experience, uh, you can get at us on Twitter at zcpcwhj on twitter.com. We're also, we can email us, you can email us to, uh, our email is email at zerocredits.net. Send us an email, uh, we'll read it on air, it's great. We're also on Spotify and iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. If you can find those places, leave a review. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, but last but not least, challenge a friend. This is a real endurance challenge. Challenge a friend to listen to this. Say that they have to listen to all of it. And before I get out of here, I just want to give a really big thanks to Kevin McLeod. Uh, we use his song, Summoning the Rock, uh, for all of our Fast and Furious supplemental readings so this is just a shout-out and a credit to Kevin McLeod's Summon the Rock. And uh, that comes from Incompetech.com. Check out Kevin McLeod's work. He does royalty-free uh, songs for any projects. And uh, with that, I'm going to say from everyone here at the HodgePodge Snip and Slice Edit Together in Episode Studios, we want to wish you a happy week and goodbye.